Ah, okay, I've never seen it. Yeah, it's the Ice White. So Kubrick references his own movie in his own movie? No, I think they photoshopped that. Oh, interesting. That documentary is weird. I don't know. It's so weird. Anyways, let's start. Uh, hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to <laughs> Fuck on Kill, the, the podcast. Hey, welcome to Fuck on Kill. It's a podcast that me and Mashay do sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, sometimes means every oh, week. On occasion. It does. It means every week. That's your sometimes. Uh, it should yes. be out on Friday, but sometimes it's not. But usually it is. Listen, we do what we can. Well, the editor does. Yeah. It's not easy. The editor does what they can. No. It's a hard job. He's Maybe been, pay he's them been, so well. I mean, they, they've been incorporating some, some weird tricks recently. It's, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I like it. I'll be honest. Experimental. Experimental editing. Yeah. Um, but hey, you know, I guess we give them a free hand, so I guess they can do whatever they want. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, so my name is Maché. My name is Abby. And we talk horror films. That's what we do. This is our first Maybe real intro in like seven episodes, probably. <laughs> when, when, we have a, when we have a time crunch, which we have not in quite a while, um, we do, we just get down to it. Yeah. We didn't have a time Bef- thing because of the pandemic situation, I guess. Yeah, before before the pandemic, we always had time um, constraints of some degree. Yeah. Because we'd have to like go back to our homes and stuff, whereas now... Remember that time where there was going to be pizza and then there never was? That was disappointing. Yeah, that was the last That's episode. That's my least favorite episode of the podcast. Yeah, that was the last episode of season one, actually. Well, it was, Cam. That was one of the last times we yeah we met, which is weird. Yes, the last time. Probably one of the last times we saw each other. Yeah, Whoa. there wasn't. The and there crazy. was not pizza, which is terrible. Ugh, so upsetting. Yeah, I'm thinking of getting pizza for dinner, but I think I won't. I don't know. Um. Okay. I make. I made my own pizza recently, and I, I think I'm gonna have some next uh, tomorrow. That's what I meant to say. Mm. We haven't made our own pizza in a while, actually. So, it's because Parker was so good at it. Yeah, I imagine. But I, I, it's pretty easy to make pizza. I mean, I'm not very good at it, but it's like, it's still fun to do it. It's just a nice... Yeah, it's easy enough. It's, I feel like once you have like salted dough, it's always going to be tasty. I made yeah. roti, like Indian roti. We had an Indian dinner and I love, I love naan bread. And I was like, I can't make naan bread, but I can make some roti. And they were so tasty. It's literally just flour and salt and water. Yeah. There and you then go. you've like fried off in some oil and it's so tasty. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Simplicity. It's like... It's really hard to fuck it up, I think. I mean, you can fuck it up, like, completely, but if it's, like... Yeah, it's possible, but hard. If it's, like, edible, then you're good. Yeah. It's probably going to be tasty. Cook it in oil. Oh. Delicious. Put it in an oven? I don't and know. that's... Yeah. Just cook it. Put the heat on it. And that's that's what our podcast is about. That's what It's about um, making, making bread of sorts. It's about making bread. It's about making bread. Welcome to... Need, need rise, prove hmm. the baking podcast. I thought it would still be called fuck on kill, and then we choose what kind of bread we want to fuck on and kill. Okay, matching. I want to bread. fuck sourdough easily. Fuck on. Sourdough, <laughs> I want to fuck it. Okay. Um, and then I want to hunt uh, rye bread because I'm like mm. not sure about it. <laughs> what I <wanna> say. <laughs> it's like I want to know more about it, so I'm gonna hunt it and I'm gonna kill. Mm. I like a lot of bread. I like most breads. What I other kinds of, of what, what other kinds of breads are there? What do I want to kill? Like killable bread, I feel 
We could also use kill as like our. You want to kill it because you want to murder it. You just want to eat it so much. Oh. You know, so like kill could be the highest honor, and fuck could be like a medium honor. We could do fuck marry kill for this. Okay. Fuck marry kill bread. Um. What are some In other types of bread? I'm I'm blanking on types of bread. So sourdough would probably be your marry then, because it's your like favorite, and you want to have yeah. it all the time. There's a bread. There's um. There's brioche. There's ciabatta. Mm-hmm. There's I would consider roti to be a type of bread, naan bread. Um, oh, bread yeah. um and there's various types of naan bread. There's just regular sliced pan. Mm-hmm. There's Vienna roll bread, crusty bread. There's French French bread. French bread? Was that like a French yeah. baguette or what? It's I feel like it's kinda of, it's yeah, a French baguette, so it's like a bit more rustic than like a petite pan kind of vibe. Mm. Um all right. But, um, and then there's there's one more that is significant in my head. Oh, like um, tiger bread. Tiger bread's tasty. It's tiger bread. I don't know how to describe it because I don't really know how to make it, but it's bread that like they've done something to the crust that's really nice. It's like they've put some kind of orangey seasoning kind of vibe. I don't know what's... I can find out, but okay. it's very tasty. And you get it. You can get it in Tesco. Um, tiger bread. Tiger bread is a commercial name for a loaf of bread that has a mottled crust. Okay. Um. So, it's oh yeah. So it's made by painting rice paste onto the surface prior to baking, and it dries and cracks uh, during the process, and it gives it like a distinctive flavor. So it looks like this. It's so tasty. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. It's really good. All right. So let's try this again. I could try to fuck just like a regular loaf, I guess, just like a big loaf, just so that I can actually fuck it. Um. <laughs> gonna marry uh um the sourdough yeah okay let's keep with that i'm gonna kill or murder um a naan bread just gonna eat it pretty fast i do like naan breads yeah what about you um oh my god i don't know there's so many good breads (laughs) i'm gonna so i think i will fuck um i think i'll fuck like like a crusty what are they called? Cob? Are they called cobs? Crusty lob? Crusty hob? What are they called? Lob. I don't what? know. Lob. Okay, why? Crust- okay, I'm not going to say that one because I can't remember what it's called. And I feel like that's okay. kind of All right, a bad start. I'm going to fuck um, Tesco. Tesco do these cheese and onion rolls. Mm. They're like, there's like cheese and onion like baked into it. Yeah. Um, And it's like, it's like this size. It's like a little one. And then you toast it and you like dip it in cheese and stuff or whatever. It's so tasty. So I'm gonna fuck that. Are you gonna like um, actually fuck it, or what's your? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, I'm just checking. <laughs> and then I'm gonna marry. Um, I think I'll marry like focaccia, like plain mm. focaccia. Ideally, just like a plain Ligurian salted ca- focaccia, so mm-hmm. tasty. Um, and then I'm gonna kill in the sense of like because it's so good. Um, I don't know. This is hard. I know. It's hard to like choose of all the delicious options there are. I think I'll kill. Let's go for 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 naan bread, like a garlic okay. naan or yeah. a peshwari naan. Really tasty. Garlic naan is good. Yeah, I also like like a rosemary yes. naan. That's good. Ooh, tasty peshwari naan is really nice, but you need to like it's not nice with. So what it is traditionally is like raisin sultanas. And then coconut. It's like a paste oh, okay. made out of coconut and like almond. Right. Um, 
but I don't like sultanas or raisins. Yeah, so like either. I can just like pick them out when I get it. But yeah. it's ideal if you go somewhere. There's a place in Bray that does it. But the the nicest one I had was in London. I've never had it again. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's just coconut and almond paste, and it's so tasty. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. But every normal person hates raisins. That's just yeah, fact. it's disgusting. Yeah, nobody likes raisins. That's it's like grapes were great and you ruined them. Yeah, it's just like a stupid way to do anything. If you like raisins, please unsubscribe. That's all I have to say. <laughs> um, if you like raisins, um, not to be offensive, but you don't deserve rights. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Pretty much. In summary, you don't deserve rights. Sorry. Um, I'm going to write to the Helsinki Foundation and tell them that I want this to be outlined somewhere. The Helsinki Foundation? Yeah, there's like a foundation for human rights in Helsinki or whatever. It's oh, pretty big. Oh, I see. Yeah, please do. Please write to them. Yeah. I shall do that. So, as you, I'm sure, determined from that intro, we're we're talking about The Shining today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a very clear, um, a clear connection. Uh, we're not going to tell you why if you don't understand. It's because you're stupid. So, well, we no, it's because if Stanley Kubrick was still alive today, he would like that. If any discussion about The Shining, he would like it to start with a discussion of bread first. That was just his. What style. bread? What bread do you think Stanley Kubrick would fuck? any bread probably i'd say he's the kind of guy who is just you know he's just gonna fuck whatever is in the um pantry yeah probably that kind of guy Mm. you've never seen the shining before i have not that is crazy it's her favorite movie who what sorry my mom said it's her okay she didn't say it was her favorite movie my mom said she loves the shining Okay. Um, I love Stephen King. She grew up like reading Stephen King. She loves him. So she loves both the um, book and the film. Mm-hmm. Cool. I believe so. Mm, we'll talk a little bit more it's about a... that, I guess, as we go on. But you know, you don't really yeah. always have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, so this is The Shining. It was made in when was it made? I didn't write that. Down. 1980. I think I said incorrectly in the previous episode that it was made in 1979, and I would like to publicly apologize for that. Uh, but you're kind of right because if it was released in 1980, they probably made. Yeah, it in they made most of it in 1979, and also uh, it took like forever to shoot like every Kubrick film, so they probably shot it. I don't know exactly how long, but probably like close to a year, <laughs> probably. <Classic. laughs> um, I know that they shot like the door scene for three days. They only shot the door stuff for three days. It took them Poor three door. days for like this. I don't know, 30 seconds of film. I don't know. Yeah, I saw one that was the one with these with the bartender. They did like 36 takes. Yeah feels unnecessary <laughs> well i don't know you say it's unnecessary but then it's kubrick and you know nobody i mean i guess uh i'm trying to think of somebody who's like got the same stature of kubrick who's like younger than he would be because he's not with us Me? anymore but no I, the only guy i can think of is uh paul thomas anderson i guess i don't know maybe i'm wrong but i would say he's like the from like the big guys the biggest guys ever he's one of the youngest ones probably <laughs> Like, you know, from, like, the top tier. Yeah, Kubrick. Yeah, he was young enough. He died pretty young. Like, not extra young. I think he was, like, 70 or something. But he was born in the 20s. Yeah. So he's, like... I think he would be younger than, like, an Antonioni or, I don't know, fucking Fellini or whatever, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would think so. Fellini? When was Fellini born? 1920. Maybe he was actually a similar age, and maybe I'm just stupid. He just feels like a younger filmmaker. Maybe because his big stuff came, like, later. Yeah, Kubrick is 1928. I would say there's also an element of, like, his stuff is just has this more modern feeling. Yeah. That gives him 
that makes him kind of seem younger as as a like as an entity like yeah. as a figure to think of he seems younger because of that yeah i'm just comparing yeah. him to other american guys maybe that's where i'm kind of but he's like he was um he was born before like scorsese but yeah i guess that's true because <laughs> he was a bit earlier than that well anyways but like yeah i guess he's one of the like, in my mind he's one of the like younger like newer big guys Mm-hmm. Yeah, in terms of stature, sure. yeah, I guess Scorsese is still alive, and he's yeah, got similar stuff. Coppola. I guess. Yeah, but um, <laughs> in terms of just like I don't know, like a pure because like Scorsese also just was very successful in a lot of things, but I don't know if he was the same kind of figure, like an artistic kind of do whatever you want, fucking out no. there guy. Scorsese is Scorsese is like, have you heard about gangsters? Did you know there's this thing called the mafia? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna show you. And every few years, he's like, hey, wait, I don't think you've heard about the Mafia. Well, he just does that on repeat. That is very not true. Although he does love the Mafia and stuff. But, like, have you never seen, like, I don't know, uh, The Silence? That was the film he made before no. The Irishman, which is about monks. You know, not a lot of Mafia in that, I guess. Um, I don't know. What he else? also did, um, not a lot of people know, but he did Shrek too. Oh, all right. It's yeah. a pretty good film. Kind of a weird it one is. for him, it's his I guess. Best. It's his best. Um, and don't look that up. Just believe me. What other films Scorsese made are not about gangsters? Uh, Shutter Island, Aviator, Taxi Driver is not about gangsters. Um, it's about an Italian man. Italian-American man, isn't it? Uh, well, it's De Niro. I don't think it's really necessary for the plot. I don't think he's very italian <laughs> I feel like all of his films are about Robert De Niro. That's also not true. He made lots of those about Robert De Niro. <laughs> Prove it. Although that's a very good collaboration that they made a lot of great films. Raging Bull, a mm. film about a boxer. Yeah, I mean, I'm not mad at it. I like, like, I really like, um, okay, yeah, I really like Goodfellas. Good. Um, that I did my first college essay on it, so I guess it also holds like a special place in my heart, but I really enjoy it. Goodfellas is great. I mean, everything he ever did was is pretty great. I mean, I don't know. More I like could... Goodfellas, more like great fellas. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, but like I can't uh-huh. think of a bad Scorsese film right now no, he's pretty good Boxcar like Burfa like nice is the guy. one I didn't really like Boxcar Burfa is like one of his first ones the ones he made with like Roger Corman and stuff it's like a B movie and it's not very good but oh, we'll that, allow it. that was like before the time but everything later is pretty great from what I've seen at least King of Comedy is pretty great. You know that, you know, a lot of people uh, like King of Comedy. For example, Todd Phillips, he likes it so much that he made a film that's basically King of Comedy. It's called Joker and can go fuck itself. Um, all right, let's go back to Kubrick. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so... Do you like Kubrick? I, was say. I don't think I've seen really much of him, to be honest. I'll do him a Google. Really? That's really I weird. Seen, I really... Want to see the Clockwork Orange or Act Oh, you yeah, haven't seen that. It's wow. And it's been on. It's been like one of those films that I really want to see for so long, but I uh, I'm not good at having a brain. So weren't your I'm film studies? Like, oh, I really want to watch this. Weren't your film studies yes. like filled with Kubrick to like the brim? No, not at all. It's really weird to me because mine were they like were mine were. I didn't even have a course that was about Kubrick, and we never talked about him in like history of film or anything like that. But he still kind of popped up all the time. Like, people just kept talking about him for, like, reasons, you know? People just found Mm -hmm. out different ways or context to bring up, I don't know, The Shining or Clockwork Orange or Barry Lyndon. I think that we did 2001, but I didn't watch it. (laughs) 
You didn't watch 2001? Um, what? You no. have a film degree and you haven't Listen, seen 2001. What, we, <laughs> what we've is, learned... That should be illegal. They should find you and take away your degree. Podcast, you can find me, you know where I live. Please don't, my degree is literally over there. I'm not gonna it do it. It was in a frame and then I was like, I want to hang it up. So I just rolled it. Um, I've seen... Oh, no, I haven't. I was going to say I've seen Lolita, but I've seen the new one. So not that one. I haven't seen Lolita Um there are. He's not even. Ma- he's not even made that many films. No, he made like twelve, I think. I have not seen. I haven't seen. Lolita. I think like that's kind of a sign of a good one, though. Like when they're just like, listen, well, I've got a selection of things I want to make, and I'm not gonna try and just throw things out. Like I'm not just gonna go, hey, have this, have this. I'm not gonna hyper. Yeah. Thing. I don't know what the word is. Or no, Kubrick um, was. He just took forever with everything. That's why it's so little because he took five, six years to make a film, and he started pretty late. So he just didn't make that many. That's fair. That's just yeah, I feel like I'm I'm not great at... Um, the, I think there's an aspect of, like, there's so many films that are, like, the big films that everybody knows. And you almost... They're so popular that you, like, know what happens in them, right? And you're just like, yeah. I don't know, I kind of want to discover something that I don't have any idea about. And funnily, I didn't really know much about The Shining in the sense really? of... I wasn't really... I wasn't... Like, I did. Um, like... Sorry, I'm trying to reorganize myself, but my chair keeps squeaking. Um, I like knew about the iconography, like I knew about Red Rom, and I knew about like here's Johnny, obviously, yeah. and all those kind of things. And Danny, I didn't actually really know that Danny was in The Shining. I knew about the like twins, um, yeah. that kind of thing. But like, I feel like I didn't really know what the plot was. Okay, um, that's interesting. I knew that Jack Nicholson went a bit crazy. I could tell that. I knew about the oh, working no play, um, that kind of thing. But I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Um, that Shelley Duvall was like his wife in it or anything like that. Oh right, okay. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know anything about the premise. That's so cool. Yeah. But I feel like that's kinda rare for for a lot of like films. Yeah. I don't know. That's kinda interesting. You know? uh, I mean I, I think it's interesting because The Shining is the, the Kubrick film that I guess can be explained the, in the most easy way. Like I I'd say that The Shining is probably the most like yeah, in terms of, like, if you're afraid to watch a film that has a big reputation because you're like, oh, I've seen it all, then I guess The Shining is the one that you've probably seen the most of and, like, kind of understood the most from because, like, nobody can explain 2001 to you. They can tell yeah, you there's a it's... giant baby in it, but, like, what are you going to even do with that information? <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's it's straightforward in the sense that, like, it has a logical plot. I mean, they all do. And there's, like, a line you can follow. I don't want to saying that they, they, they don't have a logical plot. They all do. No, yeah. But it's just, but just that, like it's yeah, not it's the simplest. I there's guess. not as much complexity um, to the basic like level of it. Yeah. 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 Because 2001 is like more complicated in terms of it just has three separate, separate connected kind of sections. Free? Yeah. I think it's free, right? Yeah. Like a few. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. I think it's free. I think. I don't I think remember like what happens Kubrick, in the like, second one. <laughs> Kubrick like allows you, he's like this and you can just watch this and watch it for what it is and for what is right yeah. in front of you or you can also like find other things and dig deeper into it it's like you can enjoy it on both levels whereas I feel like partially my idea of maybe what he does is that there's an element of like you either have to like look at this and like read into it so much while watching it where you can like where that's it whereas The Shining you don't have to watch in a super like observant way if you don't want to you know well I think I, I think that that element of The Shining is just kind of from King and that that structure of the novel and stuff and mm-hmm. 
it's kind of what Kubrick takes from it and then kind of rearranges everything else. But like the basic kind of idea, like I guess the basic structure of the story is similar. It's not the same, but it's similar enough to the book. Uh, it variates a lot, but like that that kind of that the the basic thing or like the horror thing is very much a King thing. I think Kubrick, you know, he did genre films, I guess, or like he did play around with genres, but I think for him he always wanted people to be observant and that's what he made the films for and he kind of i think that's kind of what his target is in general if you can say there's a target for his films um everybody hated the shining when it came out it was a flop really? people hated it Classic. it's got a lot of bad reviews and stuff <clears throat> people said it's bad over the top nobody liked it i feel like that's the one thing i felt like that's definitely why i like it in the sense of like I guess it was one of those, you could call it like ahead of its time or something. And that then, the, it's got a lisp. Um, in the sense that it's like a little bit too much, or it was a little bit too much for the audiences at the time. Because like, we've covered it many times on the podcast. I'm not a huge fan of older films. Um, I don't know what it is. So, like older horror films specifically. Um, and I definitely like some of them. Like it's not that I, I'm just really, stu- like it's it's not that I'm ignorant. And I'm like, oh, they're, oh, they're bad. But um. I just, for whatever reason, find that, like, they're never as compelling um, mm-hmm. as, like, newer ones can be. Um, but, the, like, with The Shining, I really enjoyed and didn't, like, I was, like, as soon as I was, like, as soon as it started and, like, was going on, I was, like, I feel like I'm going to like this. Um, mm-hmm. As opposed to, Harvey, as opposed to, like, a lot of older ones that just end up kind of, they're just, like, a bit boring and I can't, like, they're not fast-paced enough for me. Yeah. Whereas with this, it was, like, a good kind of balance. So I can see yeah. it makes sense that maybe people didn't like it at the time because it was quite I feel like it's quite different to like other older films in a way. I mean, yeah, it's it's a weird film in terms of, yeah, if you think about I always think about it as, as a 70s film or an 80s film, even though it's 1980. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe that's why I always think it's 79, because it's like, I don't know, it feels like a 70s film with Nicholson kind of doing his thing and all this shit. But um, it is a bit timeless in a lot of ways, I guess. And it does feel very modern when you're watching it today in a way of just, I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe, but it's just, yeah, kind of detached from a lot of things. Like Kubrick usually was, you know. Yeah. It's the kind of horror as well. Because me and Megan were funny just talking about this in the car because there was a a film. (laughs) It was kind of some version of Aladdin, I guess. I can't remember what it was called. It was on the TV. It was like an old film for the 1940s. Something right. about Baghdad. The Thief of Baghdad or something. Okay. It was like a really old film. Mm-hmm. And the, like it won the Oscar for special effects. And the special effects were so funny. Because it was really bad. Oh, it but goes. it was the 40s, which is, you know, that's where we began. Um, but we were talking about it. And I was like, I just feel like I... And I guess I was also talking about it in light of the fact that I just watched The Shining. Um, and comparing like my experience with like other older films. And I was like, the thing is, is that... While I know we had to start somewhere with special effects and like, you know, it's all about like the history at the time. That was all we were able to do. And if we didn't do that, we wouldn't be where we are today in terms of special effects. But I just still can't a lot of time like get past how bad special effects were in like older films when they tried to do the more complex stuff. Whereas I find older films with just physical special effects, like physical things that they've just done that they didn't like use a computer or use like a green screen or use anything a bit more complicated mm-hmm. that I always enjoy them more. And I feel like with The Shining, it's like all of the effects that happen are just like makeup and prop department, but like those kind of things, you know, like mainly like blood. Like yeah, there's the no effects. Really. Flood, exactly. Like the, the flood of blood and that kind of thing. I feel like 
Which is a flood that, of blood. That, <laughs> like it's, yeah. not, like, it's not much of an effect if it's just what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's but not that's real what I mean, blood, is that, like, but... compared to, like, older horror films that use, that tr- kind of try to do more special effects um, to convey, like, the violence that's happening or anything like that, it always just, for me, doesn't... Yeah. I just can't get past the fact that the effects are so bad because I'm so, like, conditioned to mm-hmm. newer films, you know? Well, that's that's interesting to me because, I mean, I get it to, to a point, right? Um, I think if you look at 40s, 50s films, then yeah, if you're seeing like a science fiction film, then sometimes it's kind of hard to get through, even though like I think Invasion of the Body Snatchers still has pretty great effects for what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't really bother me when I was watching it. And I thought some of it was really kind of gruesome and weird. Um, but then, yeah, you watch The Fly and it's a guy in a fly suit. It's kind of... Weird, but like I think if you start yeah. getting into sixties, seventies, especially eighties stuff, then I, I just even prefer those effects. Like they are gnarly and and well made and practical. And I think a lot of the stuff that I didn't like about horror when I was younger, when I before I was into horror, was just connected to how horror was looking at at the time and what I associated with it. And you know the early two thousands kind of look of horror and how it felt and the effects as well and the cgi blood and all that kind of stuff i think that was one of the things that put me off actually for a long time before i found out about the other way you can do this stuff um yeah but that's what i mean is that like i prefer when things are actually done as opposed to like done by cgi or by computers or whatever yeah. alternative they would have had in the 40s i don't know and the best way um, to ensure that's happening is to watch an older film yeah it's true like the but worst time for this is like, like 90s early 2000s because that's when computers come in big time and everybody's like holy shit and they just do everything with it mm-hmm. and that's, that's the stuff so you really kind of watch yeah and like everything had to be 3d for some reason yeah i mean that happens every every few decades i guess but the thing is really i think when 3d started now we're on 3d when i feel like when 3d started you mean for, like, like from my childhood 30s 40s? no okay so so no when the like when there was the surge was of later, 3d sorry. in our childhood i feel like they were doing it in a way that it was like, yeah, this makes sense. Like they made Spy Kids 3D and there was like, this thing is coming out at you and like yeah. all that stuff. And then it came to a point where they were just like, everything is 3D, but there's no reason. Um, Like we haven't made this with 3D in mind. We've just made the movie and it's like, well, then yeah. I don't need to see it in 3D. Like I, I can just watch it. I would prefer to just watch it. It's funnier yeah. when there's things poking out at you. It's like, it's a different experience. Make a 3D film or just make a film. I don't want to see a normal film in 3D. Yeah, but that was around the time when people were freaking out again that cinemas are not going to be a thing. Um, and there wasn't even a pandemic. <laughs> but like, generally, <laughs> it was just like this thing of like, oh, people can now download everything. And I guess, you know, it was... It, it comes every time like VHS came and then they started doing 3D and they did that fucking Friday the 13th free 3D film. You know, because they're like, yeah, let's let's do it so that people have a reason to come to the cinema. And they do like a few films that are like that, but you can't just keep making films like that. So then they start applying it to other films, being like, hey, maybe this film that we made just for a normal thing, but turn it into 3D is still going to get people to come to the cinema to watch it in 3D. And then turn out, no, nobody gives a shit. And now they, and then they made 3D TVs. It. Now we have 3D TVs. And, and then they're like, what do we do now? And then they do the 5D. And you're like, hey, I don't. I've never How did. Many? Have you ever done that? I never did that. Yeah, I did it in um in Fresno, in California. Okay. Um, we saw the newest Star Wars because I feel like five D is probably not anywhere near as much of a thing here as it would be in America. There is there one. Was like, there's one in I think on O'Connell Street. Yeah, there was one somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, but like in terms of, like if I'm going to the cinema, I pretty much go to 
I'd either go to the lighthouse and I would need to be like in town for that most of the time. Yeah. Um, or I go to Dundrum Cinema because it's the closest to me. Dunleary Cinema at a stretch, but I haven't gone there in years. Last time I went there, someone threw chewing gum at my friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. not great. Um, but yeah, so like, I feel like we went to, because where we, where we were in California was pretty close to Fresno and there was like a cinema there that did 5D and the new Star Wars had just come out and Megan was like, we need to see it in 5D. Is that the Skywalker um, one? What do they call it? Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, whatever the most recent one was. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was the Rise of Skywalker. I have not Um, seen that one because I did not care. It's grand. Um, I just really fancy Adam Driver when he's Kylo Ren and exclusively when he's Kylo Ren. So um, it was great for me. (laughs) I like him when he's tortured. It's great. But... Yes, we went to see that and like it was a bit, it was just wild because they, they have like, you're on a chair and the chair is moving and there's a lot and I was, because we were in America, I was kind of stressed the whole time that someone was going to murder us because we were in a cinema. I'm sure that's a big um, problem in America in general. It, well, exactly. Um, But yeah, so like it like sprays water at you, but it was nowhere near as exciting as I feel like it could have been, <laughs> you know, like there was bits where I was like, we're just moving for no reason. I think I might get sick. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like to me most of the time. It's like, yeah, if yeah. I go see this film, I'm just going to not be able to focus and instead be sprayed in the face with water or something. Yeah, like I've done that in... Um, I feel like it's also, you know what the effect is going to be. Like, there's only like... F- there's five things that they can do. And once yeah. you've gone to one of them, you know exactly what it's going to be each time. So Right, yeah. You know, so I've, I And know. I've only... The only other times I've done it have been like in like Disneyland or in Universal Studios, where like in Universal Studios there's a Shrek one. Yeah. Um, it's Shrek 4D, I think, and then they have one in Disney, that's Honey I Shrunk the Kids, and it's the same kind of vibe. Yeah, Honey and, and all, Shrunk the all Audience. Same, yeah. Ultimately, I saw that's Honey the one, and yeah, Shrunk sorry. the Audience in Paris. Yeah, it's just, but that's pretty fun because that's like short mm-hmm. and it's just supposed to like kind of showcase. That's the, the thing. point. I think those are fun because they're short, so you don't get like motion sickness. Yeah. <laughs> or if you do, it's short lived. They're also just yeah, I think more fun because they're like specifically made for this purpose and they're a bit stupid. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, yeah. This is, this is a bit stupid what we're doing. Yeah, so. exactly. And then if you were supposed to like actually watch a film while all this is happening, I don't know. I I, I don't feel that that's too that great. Exactly. Uh, also, how do you, are you supposed to like have popcorn while you're fucking riding around in a chair? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's really weird to me. Yeah, it is. It's wild. And I mean, the, but they keep them stable enough so that your drink won't fall out of the place. But I feel like you're never confident that it's not. Do you going know to what I just thought of? Do you think they made ready? Do you think they made Ready Player One for five D? We should probably look into that. I don't know. I feel like they should have probably. Because I'm thinking about it. Because Ready Player One has a full half an hour, maybe long, is what I want to say. A shining sequence. It's got like a full on shining sequence what? where they play. You haven't seen that film, right? I have not. Yeah, they go through like The Shining. What? Just try to connect it back to The Shining, but it's a. It's a, I actually kind of <laughs> like that. Uh, I kind of like Ready Player One. Please don't sue me, but I I quite liked um, that section as well. And it's basically just like yeah, they they access like The Shining and they go through like the locations. They go through the Overlook Hotel and kind of there's like a bunch of stuff that happens. It's pretty fun. Mm. It's good. Another interesting thing to tie it back to The Shining. Mm. Let's talk about the movie. Okay. Um, so they, this is a real, it's based on a real hotel. I can't remember if it's like, it, I don't think it was, it was mostly filmed on a set. It wasn't yeah. filmed in the hotel. But the room, whatever the hotel is, the Overlook Hotel, I guess, does exist and is in Denver. Or is it mm-hmm. in Colorado? Um, There's something. But the, it doesn't, it doesn't have a room 237 anymore because no one wants to stay in it. Um, 
but which is makes sense but also when, for all the interiors like when jack is in um the big room doing his typing i was like that looks familiar that looks like the awani hotel in yosemite where i have been oh, right. um i went there and ate lunch multiple times and um i googled it so i was like that really looks like it and it what it's well it wasn't but it was based off it yeah so they based uh, the website, like they built stackexchange.com they say it looks like is usually used to imply something we are almost certain about. There is a saying, if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck, chances are it's a duck. When we say it seems like, we are focusing on the impression given by the subject. To find out more, look for the link in your Google Home or Google Assistant app. What was that? Thanks, thanks Google. I don't know. What was that? That's upsetting. <laughs> That's my Google Home don't know why she chimed in there um so thanks for that google um <laughs> but yeah so it it they based the um a lot of the interiors on the awani hotel which is like this old like native american um style hotel it's really gorgeous it's like i guess it's amongst yosemite i don't really know i think it is mm-hmm. but it's really really nice oh, so they based the sets on that that hotel it's like this it's really impressive like massive um mm-hmm. lobby and it's wild because they built a set out of it and it's like it looks so similar. Why didn't they just film it there? I don't understand. Uh, probably it was cheaper to build a set. That's there you go. Possibly true, but wild. But I guess um. Well, the problem is if you build like something like this, which is like a, you know, it has to be a custom made space, kind of, because they need this place to be there, and they need this shot, they need this shot, and. As That's the documentary true. we're going to talk about in a second kind of points out, like it, it doesn't all make sense uh, mm-hmm. structurally wise, right? So they built sets instead to kind of make up for that, so that they can do mm-hmm. it whatever, like however they want. You know, it's based on a book which is pretty specific, also about like stuff, and you need to have the elevators there and stuff there, to just kind of for it to flow in a way, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess that's why you go for a set rather than like a, a real place. Makes sense. And you can make the Fly. impossible window, or whatever the fuck that thing is that <laughs> that lady is talking about. Um, but it does tie into the documentary and all the Native American talk. Well, I, yeah, but okay. So we uh, also for this episode, instead of only watching The Shining, we also watched. I mean, Abby started watching it. I don't think she made it through, <laughs> but like I made it through a documentary called Room Two Three Seven. Which is basically just a few guys talking and a woman. It's a few people talking about things that they thought The Shining was about. Um, mm-hmm. It's a weird thing. It's basically somebody's passion project. And yeah, they got like six people who are crazy and, and uh, have no jobs. Uh, it's kind of like a desktop documentary. Because like, it's all yeah. just like footage and archive footage and like like clips of different things. Clips like of, documentaries, of, films. of demons? Of the film Demons by Lamberto Bava, I, I, I'm watching this film and there's like a clip from Demons, and the, the clips they use from Demons is the one for like watching the film. So they put like the audiences from Demons watching like a thing, and I'm like, what the fuck is Demons doing here? <laughs> demons is a film about like demons in a cinema. It's like the whole thing is like people go to a cinema and then they're closed off, and like battle with uh, uh, demons, whatever. Uh, it's it's a very it's a very stupid Italian kind of fun gore thing right and it's so weird seeing demons used in like a serious sense i don't i don't know i don't know anyway so they use like a bunch of stuff different films 
probably with no rights to them. I don't know how they got away with that. Um, and they Photoshop yeah. things into those films as well, just to make it like pay, like make more sense with what the person is they saying. Would, I think they would get away with it because it's like the fair use law. That it's like if you're, you can use copyrighted material if you are adding an extra value to it or you're adding something to it that you're not just using it. What's the value? Yeah, fair use is value, commentary, reviewing. They're adding commentary. Yeah, but not about the thing they're using. So it's a commentary that's not <laughs> related to what's going on. So it's like they're just using it as a... I mean, I don't know. I'm not a legal expert. But it, it seems shady to me, I, I'm going to say. Um, but yeah, so basically that's the idea for the documentary. It's very... Yeah, it feels very cheap. There's like a like full-on... There's like a mo- moment where somebody's kid starts getting noisy... And he gets like, and it's like recorded, not edited out, and he talks about the kid. Uh, and the kid is just noisy for a while, and it's distracting and stupid. Anyways, um, yeah, so it's just basically people talking about The Shining, and they have there's a few people who have different theories. There's a guy who thinks The Shining is about the moon landing, uh, or rather about how Kubrick faked the moon landing. Uh, there's a guy who talks about the Holocaust. There's a guy who mostly focuses on American history in terms of uh, Indians. And that guy is the only guy who's kind of sane, I think, of all of them. Um, there's a lady who talks about minotaurs and about her child's drawing. I have no idea what her deal is uh, or what she's up to. There's literally a moment. I don't know if you got to that part, but there's a moment where she talks about how there's a guy with a cracked head and her kid made a similar drawing. And I'm like, what the fuck are you even talking? Like, it was so weird to me. Is she trying to say that her kid came up with it? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, the, yeah, the Nat- I didn't get through much of it. But the Native American one I found the most kind of compelling because there was like, he had things to back it up. There was like the baking powder. That was the brand. And it was the peace pipe. Yeah. Like, it all kind of made sense. No, the Native American um, thing, I think, is in the film. And I would agree that it's there. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a lot of iconography, like as I said, yeah. the Iwani is like very much, um, like a Native American kind of spot. And um, there's loads of Native American stuff all over the place. There's like yeah. drawings, pictures. There's um, stuff in the dialogue and... that refers to it. Obviously, yeah. like the thing about the overlook being built over Indian uh, burial grounds, but burial also ground. there's like a full like there's like little things inside the film that I think point to that as like a comparison point. And it's like similarly with the Holocaust, really. I mean, I think that's just adding more onto it, but. There is definitely like a backdrop on the on this film, or like like a base of things that you know are about like a massive murder, a genocide, um, mm-hmm. or just generally bad stuff that white people did. That's so most things, what I get from. really. Yeah, I also I feel like there's also even if there wasn't any intention from Kubrick to like make it about Native American genocide or to make it about the Holocaust, there's still I feel like interesting points to make, and I think there's a there's a whole thing of like, just because the artist maybe didn't necessarily mean something doesn't mean that meaning can't be drawn from it. and doesn't mean that's not like an interesting thing to talk about. But the others, it kind of sounds like they were just, um, I don't know, they were like, all the good ones are taken. So I don't know, I'm going to fuck about and talk about something else. Yeah. Uh, did you get to uh, the lady who was talking about the Minotaur? I did not. That lady has the worst takes. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> that lady's has Fucking bad women, takes. eh? Uh, she does make a very detailed map of the Overlook Hotel and proves that the Overlook <laughs> Hotel doesn't make sense the way they built it. But there's really nothing else to it. She talks about the the window. 
uh, in the office at the beginning and that this window goes out to nowhere so it's impossible that that window is there and i'm like cool i think i saw that bit yeah but there's nothing more to it like she literally doesn't say why they would even do it like that and i'm like well yeah because they like the window there it looked good uh it's, it's annoying fuck you but why the worst the part to go somewhere what's right what does she wants the window to go somewhere i don't know uh, well, she wants it to go outside to see the tree, but she's like, it's impossible because the corridor is kind of going behind that wall. So it's like, right? So there they couldn't be a window there that's showing a tree because there's a corridor behind it in terms of how the building is planned out. I think uh, she's right. Okay. It doesn't matter. That's fair. Um, but what she's, I mean, the, the part that really lost me is when she starts talking about the Minotaur. She talks about the first time <laughs> Danny sees the twins and she says... There's a picture, there's like a photo of a skier, a guy skiing in the background. It's true. There is one. It's a guy skiing. And she says, when I was watching it, I paused the VHS and I started looking at that. I was like, what's wrong with that photo? And I know it was actually a minotaur. Look at that silhouette. There's a minotaur there. And I don't see it at all. And I'm like, what are you talking about? There's a minotaur on the fucking skiing guy? And she starts talking about how Jack is a minotaur and like the whole maze thing. I'm like, so what what the hell? The maze? True, the maze is a very like Greek thing. But what? what, Why why does she have to bring the skiing dude into it? The skiing dude, I think she was reaching there. She can... She can definitely use the labyrinth as like a, hey, I'm going to tie this into Greek stuff. But I don't know. Listen, there's loads of things you can do, but like there's no you can do lots of stuff, but maybe... to kind of put in that way. You can fucking look at, you know, The Shining as like a, a representation of LGBT rights or whatever. If you have that kind of in, like inspiration in you, I'm sure you can find something. But mm-hmm. like the, the the idea there is not to make it sound like you fucking invented the wheel or something like that and be like, hey, look, there's like a rainbow <laughs> this part of the Overlook <laughs> Hotel. That means that The Shining is about LGBT people. That's not how this works, right? If you're a university person, you have a take and you talk about it, but you don't like be like, oh, actually, The Shining is about a, the Minotaur. <laughs> That's because just stupid. I say so. Uh, anyway, so that's that's a fun bit, but there's a fun bit that you probably didn't get to where somebody tries to convince us that room 237 stands for moon room, and that's because on the key, <laughs> it just feels stupid talking about it, on the key, it says room N, lowercase zero, nearly not seen, and then underneath 237, and then guys like, think about those letters, room and N. What are the words you can make from those letters? Well, you can only make room and moon. But <laughs> that's not right because you can make moron out of those letters. And that's what that guy is. <laughs> Gatter. That's the so, guy. That was him. That, that's the get moon guy. Him. Uh, the moon guy is other levels of crazy. And he talks about his book that he is writing about stuff and he talks and he says that the government is definitely on him and they are just (laughs) ready to move in and he's he's definitely being listened to but he doesn't care you know that they're insane if they talk about how the government is like coming for them yeah i'm sure everybody wants to get him for his moon landing ideas unless you're the snow lad edward snowden unless you're then they are coming for you well then yes (laughs) (laughs) You found that out the hard way, yeah, unfortunately. Um, 
But yes, that's documentary room three two three seven. It's on Prime right now in Ireland. It's um, I had fun watching it. If you if you don't mind listening to stupid people talk about things for a while, then I feel like fun. part of my issue with it was the fact that it was like, excuse me, um, was the fact that it was like Talking Heads. No, it wasn't even Talking Heads. It was they're not yeah, it not, was not heads disembodied either. voices. Like they're just talking over this this what's the word like montage. Of stuff, yeah, but the, yeah, like, you it's don't not, see it's them, not an easy watch in that, but yeah, it's very much like a scrappily made documentary, which is fine, but I guess not really my vibe. There's some fun parts in it, and I, I, I kind of liked it in the way that like it reminded me of of, of, of college and like kind of watching a scene in slow motion or like watching a scene multiple times just because they want to point something out or whatever. Um, and some of the stuff they point out is, is I think, interesting. Um, and some of it is is the reach, but like you know, the the the, the watching it like kind of reminded me of college and kind of analyzing a film and kind of doing mm-hmm. that thing. It's kind of nice. I had a I had a professor in college who who wrote a book on Kubrick, and uh, at the last section of the book was all just tables of the Kubrick films. So the mm-hmm. way he made them is just like shot by shot, uh, very detailed descriptions of everything. Right. So I don't know if you ever did that in college, but. We did that with like a, sorry, short film. It took forever. You just kind of take the film and you watch it shot by shot. And each shot you pause, you write down who's in the shot, what's going on, what's the camera movement, what does it mean, stuff like that, stuff like that. And you kind of make a I table. Like we did do something like that. Of all the shots. So he made that for like every Kubrick. <laughs> the Jesus. back of his book, which is crazy. It's absolutely We had insane. to do, that was the first assignment we had to do was something like that, where it was like an analysis of a single scene in a film, which is the one I did, Goodfellas. Yeah. Um, I did the scene where he's like, Henry is holding the gun at his wife. Um, okay, yeah. But yeah, and it was like breaking down the shot and how it was made and like yeah. the whole scene, that kind of thing. Um, but that was like the last we ever did of something like that. It's, I, I think you can learn a lot from a film yeah, if you do it. Because, yeah, you just notice things that you wouldn't notice any other way, right? So if you do break down a Kubrick film in a table like that, so you have to watch it like countless times in slow motion pausing all the time literally looking at each shot very detailed way then yeah you find out stuff you know like the thing with the cans which is kind of interesting um like some of the stuff that they talk about in terms of like continuity errors i think they actually are continuity errors but um you know they're there like the disappearing chair i don't know (laughs) Um, i feel like i i love reading into films um like i feel like i'm constantly doing it that was always my favorite thing about film it was like when i was in school for english class that was my favorite thing was analyzing like things in poems or the movie yeah. we had to do for our comparative study it's, it's fun to do it with a kubrick film because they are definitely like very like he's very conscious of everything he's doing so each shot makes sense in larger context of, of things so if you do do something like that and you watch like every shot one by one then you do kind of get an idea of what he was trying to do a bit better because each shot has an idea behind it. There's no, like, even if there is, like, a continuity error, there's no, like, random shots in it, I think. Um, I'm sure most people would agree that, you know, there's no random... Like, there's a lot of films where you get a random shot sometimes, and it's fine. But I don't think there's anything random in this. Um, It's very well thought out, you know, in terms of, like, when do you cut, what do you cut to... What is the you know uh, framing? It's um, it's just you know 
it's uh it's purposeful yeah i think yeah it's like i don't think kubrick would ever do something without being conscious of every single shot and what's in every single shot and the compilation of that yeah and that's why he was so meticulous about everything that's why it took so long that's why he only made like what 12 films in his career (laughs) it took him so long it took him so long and he was so particular about stuff he destroyed things like there was there's a different ending to the shining but it's destroyed because he destroyed it (laughs) (laughs) the ending is incredibly abrupt yeah which is what i like about it yeah Um, it's, it's good it's like nothing else happens this is it yeah, li- the other ending literally just has more from what I've read. Like, more of mm. what... Like, more context to stuff. Um, that makes sense. But I don't think you can watch it anywhere. I think. I might be wrong. It. I know he destroyed other stuff. I think he destroyed this as well. But I might be confusing it with something else. So, I'm sorry. If somebody is, like, a big Kubrick fan and wants to correct me on that, please do. I'm not, I'm not like, yeah, the biggest... I, so, what I was saying about, like, reading into films and, like, analyzing them in a way and trying to decipher meaning from different parts of it is that a lot of the time what you're deciphering may not have been intended or like might not be there yeah but it's still like interesting to do but you can't talk about it as fact sure like this means this because i think so yeah i agree Um, but it's you know having films like that like this um like what cooper gave us it's like you can look at it and you can decipher so much of it or so much from it which for me adds so much value to watching a film, watching yeah. a TV show, anything like that. It just makes it so much more interesting for me. Yeah, I agree. And I think horror films are great for that. In terms yeah, of I think just, that's part yeah. of the reason I love them so much. Is because you can just like read so much from them. Even yeah. if it's not supposed to be. Uh, like even if it wasn't intended. Which I feel like there's no way... You're, like whatever you get from it and whatever you decipher from it. There's no way it has like no base. Because... I think, and I think we've talked about this before, that horror films are often shit, um, but also like in at the complete at the complete opposite end of the spectrum, they're often like the most intelligent of films because there's like so much thought goes into them, and there's so much kind of like subtleties that um, I think you can't you don't find this in like other genres as much, which is again like part of the reason I love horror so much is being able to read more out of it and like watch it and be like oh this is really complex and like this means this or this could mean that yeah. and they're also just more exciting I think uh, yeah I agree to a d- degree um, in terms of stuff like The Shining I think it just works on a kind of a different level I think that's why kind of watching The Shining is a bit different than watching a, I don't know a different kind of horror film not because you can I think you can take a lot from every horror film if you want to but The Shining is just so yeah uh, planned out in a way that maybe artistic films and stuff like that, independent films would be. And yeah. the thing about horror is, it's, I think a lot of times it's it work, it's working on such a subconscious level that you don't even have to know that you're making something that means something. And then it turns out it does actually mean something later on. It's true of every film to a degree, but especially with horror, I think, because horror is so primal that you kind of can't help but make it about yourself or something that you think about, or like it's just impossible to kind of avoid it. That's why it's so like interesting to look like at Friday the Thirteenth films, which very you know some of them they're they're more self aware ones and there are less self aware ones, but they are all about the same thing and all of them are a bit different in how they portray it. And uh, if you watch them like in a sequence, then you start thinking about things about like how wow those people thought about those things in that way at that time, 
And, wow, this film about a dude killing people is weirdly always very sexual. I wonder mm. if they know about it. And sometimes they know and sometimes they don't know. And when no, they don't know, it. it's still there. Exactly. I mean, it's always there. I mean, in um, in my Goodfellas, <laughs> it's got a lot in this episode. <laughs> in my Goodfellas assignment, specifically, I guess because it was like my first assignment of college, and I was doing drama studies and theaters, or fuck, I was doing theater studies and film studies, and in both of them, they were teaching us all about the phallic imagery that just yeah. pervades everything. Um, and so, like yeah. for my scene, I talked about the fact that like the wife is pointing the gun at Henry and like, that's a dick. She's like having her power over him by using a phallic object. So it's, you can always get it from something. It's always there, but it's specifically in like specifically dicks. Films. Yeah. Dicks are everywhere. Specifically dicks. Dicks are fucking everywhere. Um, <laughs> but well, yeah, they're not so fucking it's like, everywhere, you know, not all the dicks are fucking. If only. Yeah. Um, <sighs> what a world that would be. I know. But, but yeah, so it is. It's, it's horror is like inherently sexual because it's like there's some fucked up thing of being like you know murder and violence, specifically murder, is very intimate. Yeah. <laughs> and you like like yeah. you pen like say you stab someone, you penetrate them with mm-hmm. knife, blood comes yeah. out. So there's like a liquid. Sexual. No, yeah, you're right, hundred percent. And it's also interesting because I think The Shining is very asexual or like Mm -hmm. the only part when it is remotely sexual is by the end. And it's only in the weird one shot scene. That's kind of um, in the end. What do you say in the end? It's sexual. Yeah, I'm talking about the animal blowjob shot. Oh, that was fucking weird. Sorry. No, that's what, what do you think I was talking about? Wait, you said the end. Yeah, the end. Like that's near the end, right? When when it's close to the end, yeah. Yeah, well, and and Wendy's like running around and she sees the, yeah, the guy in the mask sees... giving the blowjob. That was wild. That is like, yeah, that is wild and kind of weird. But I, I think that's I'm not sure. It's the same saying. thing of like, I think that I kind of it kind of makes sense to me. Um, like sex is something that can be this huge source of like discomfort for people. Um, yeah, specifically like, quote unquote, like disordered sex practices so like and i guess it's especially at the time it's very much coded to be like this is a gay thing and at the time you know homosexuality probably would have been a lot more frowned upon um or at least um what's the word like it would have been kind of they would have been at the edge of society that kind of thing so you know it's like we see this guy in a suit He's getting a blowjob from a lad who's dressed up as a bear, but his arse is out of the suit. Um, Probably also impossible to give a blowjob with that mask. I don't know how he do that. Well, exactly. Like, how is he giving the blowjob? We're not sure. But we know he is, because, like, what else is he doing? Maybe um, he's just scratching his uh, nose on his balls, just like that lady did to John Travolta. <laughs> P-P-H-E. Um But, yeah, so, like, it, it's a disordered sexual thing in both, at the time, like, it's a, it's a gay thing. So gay bad in the 80s. See, that's why I kind of don't like um, it because I feel like the film is using it in that way. It's like debauchery. Well, exactly. and... So there's that. And then there's also just the fact that he's wearing this fucked up suit um, that's like spooky. And it, so it's this thing of like, oh, this is weird in so many ways. Um, but I think 
that introduces this like level of discomfort specifically for like Wendy who's this mom who you kind of get the impression is a fairly kind of normal person up until this so it's like this housewife who is suddenly being faced with this like hypersexualized situation with um a same-sex couple one of which is dressed up so like in some there's some kind of kink thing going on and yeah. kinks are always seen as like this kind of disordered sex thing so it's like it, it kind of makes sense to see in this sort of nightmarish sequence because it's like there's so there's just so much fucked up stuff happening yeah exactly but like that's my problem with it it's like it's using gay as a as yeah a it's weird a problem thing. it's i don't like it because like and, and the rest of the film doesn't do anything like that and like the, the stuff that you would consider like on pc maybe by today's standards mm-hmm. in this film i think are very tasteful and very well done um, yeah it's kind of it's misplaced for sure yeah but i do like i do see i can kind of understand why it's there like i like basing it in like the historical context of the time and knowing what like feelings would have been about like gay people and that kind of thing okay yeah maybe maybe i i did not put that into right words i do understand i think why it's there it's just that maybe i don't really like it fully because of how it's it's used i think it's a discomfortable yeah it's Um, discomfortable it is also a little bit of like a pre eyes wide shut kind of situation and then kubrick would delve deep into you know that kind of stuff in eyes wide shut but eyes wide shut is pretty straight you know but yeah i think straight or gay or whatever i feel like in a film that has so been so devoid of sexuality yeah it is always really like jarring to suddenly see like a sexual scene um and it was jarring like in my notes i wrote like there's like a spooky bear costume person whose bum yeah. is out and a man in the suit. I guess the bear was giving him a head. Like, wh- like what's going on? Um, so, like, my whole note was confused. Okay. But yeah. it is the kind of thing where it's it's jarring. And I feel like especially at the time. I mean, it is um, creepy because they, like, look straight at the camera. Like, they kind of mm-hmm. go up and they, like, look straight at you. And, yeah, that bear suit is weird. And, like, the whole thing is kind of off a little bit. It is it's a effective nightmare. in a way. Yeah, it's it's it kind of emphasizes just the nightmarish situation that she's in. Yeah. I mean, you have those. I had a dream last night that I was okay. a giant um, da- right. dating Legolas. <laughs> I was in a throuple with Legolas and a woman, um, and we were all. I guess I haven't really seen the Lord of the Rings, and I know that Legolas <laughs> is like taller than the Hobbits. Well, um, yeah, okay, but in my yeah. dream he was in my dream he was like a giant and as was I and I guess the person in the throuple um, and we went to a banquet but we were invisible and then they saw us and it was stressful but now I think I fancy Legolas um, so that'll probably last a week a lot of a lot of people fancied Legolas back in the day that was I did thing. at the time there was like I a big like kind of Legolas Aragorn kind of situation right you were mm, one of the camps uh, and I'd yeah, pick well, Aragorn any day I think we were trying to get a baby in the dream, we were trying to, like, we wanted a baby, and we were trying to find one. Um, I don't know, it was weird. That does sound weird. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> I couldn't go to sleep yesterday because I watched the film. I'm thinking oh. of ending things, and I was laying in my bed, and I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. I did not have oh, that for great. a very long time. Oh. Uh, it was very Megan weird. Had that. Megan had that a while ago because she watched the last scene of... Um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the Scream. Oh, the Scream one, Donald. She I mean, the the seventies one, right? Yeah, with Donald Sutherland. She couldn't. She couldn't sleep for like ages. And that I scene it is and I was pretty like, fucked up. I watched it and I was like, "Don't get the big deal." 
It's fun. Did you watch the but whole film or just the scene? Just the scene. Oh, okay. Well, it doesn't make but sense she out of context. Only, she only just, but she also only just watched oh, the scene. Oh, okay. Tell her to um, watch the dog scene from that film because the dog scene is... That's the one that freaked me out. Jesus Christ, oh. that dog is just living in my brain. It's just waiting to hop out because that dog is... It's literally... I don't know who came Spooky. up with that, but that was fucked up. Um, no, really. It was so, so bad. That dog... God damn it! Scary. Did you? Did the, does the dog get killed or something? Oh no! Oh no! Oh, no. Dog kills you? Uh, not even. Uh, do you want me to ruin it for you? Maybe you want to watch the film. It's like mm. it's a bit of a fun if, thing. If, if if you ask my degree, I have watched it. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you know how the body snatchers work, right? They have those paws mm-hmm. and they kind of get somebody in, um, and then they Drag copy keys. them based on that. So basically, the, the the snatchers make a mistake and they take a homeless guy with his dog together. So they bas- oh. basically mash them together. So what comes out is like a dog with a human face on it. And no. it looks terrifying. No. It is literally like terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah, so talking about sexuality in The Shining, there's... Um, so once the film start, you kind of get... The film starts, so you kind of get starting to get the idea of like the dynamics between... The, the family members which is jack and wendy and, and danny and jack's and wendy's relationship is um just devoid of any sort of intimacy like there's mm-hmm. literally nothing between them of anything sort of like i think she touches him maybe a few th- times during the film but in a way that's almost like careful you know yeah there's like no intimate kind of relate like there's no chemistry between them either and there's just like it feels like they are very estranged or like just not you know like they're not blending together in any way right they're not like they're not in love yeah i mean not in love is like you know i guess a normal thing you would say about a marriage but they don't even seem to have that kind of basis of just being comfortable around each other or like with touch like they're so seem so uncomfortable with each other um and we kind of learn later on why but it's very jarring, I think, at the beginning. Just how it how is, much yeah. of it, it, it there is, yeah. So that's why there is no sex in it because there's like there, there's nothing else. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's the kind of thing where it doesn't need them to have sex or anything like that. Like I feel like a lot of the same way we were talking about horror being kind of inherently sexual. I do think there's a lot of horror films that put in these like unnecessary sex scenes just cause. And, like, they don't add anything to the plot. I know there's one in, um, I think there's one in the, I don't know about the old one, but there's one in the new Amity of the Horror. And I see that. It's shit. <laughs> but it's just, it's so out of place. Because it's like, why is this happening? And I feel like there is one maybe in Orphan. Is there? Where, like, the, the orphan child thing walks in and sees them. And it's like, so that, that makes sense. But, like, the one in Amity of the Horror doesn't. I think sometimes they just put it in because they're like, oh, this horror, it's sexy. But it's like, it doesn't make sense. Whereas in this, it like, it definitely wouldn't make sense. And I feel like if it was made now by someone else, they would put sex in it. They would make them have sex just because they could. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I, f- I guess the point is that they don't have sex, right? That's just what I'm trying to say. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it wouldn't make sense to put a sex scene in it because that would ruin the effect or like what they're trying to say. Um, I don't think like I don't know. You know, a sex scene is a sex scene. Sometimes you need it for reasons. Um, masturbation. 
masturbation. Not anymore. You know, if you're masturbating to films nowadays, then you need to. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Have you think heard about yourself? There's there's films all about sex now. Yeah, like there's all sorts of different materials you can use uh, to pleasure yourself. Probably <laughs> that that probably might not require as much work from you. You don't need to bread, go on the website for example. and get the time timestamps or whatever. What'd you say, bread? Yeah, bread. Bread, for example, yeah. Bread, yeah, bread's a good one. Or um... there's only bread. That's the only sexy thing <laughs> I can think of right now. Personally, um, I've only ever had sex with bread. Um... But I don't know, if you think about like the film like The Fly, which is about an intimate relationship be- between two people, and they have loads of chemistry also because Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum dated at the time, so you know it's very natural <laughs> what's going on in that film. But also, yeah, you need some sexiness in that film. I don't even remember if there are any. I think there are. But you need that to establish that kind of relationship of them being in a relationship and being intimate and being okay. I, I think if you see a film... Um, about a relationship that's like an intimate relationship, like a marriage. Or I mean, I don't know. Not everything about a marriage has to have a sexy, but like you know, it's a way of establishing that those people are okay with each other or not okay with each other. Yeah. Depending on how the sex scene goes, I guess. But um, wrong. Home. Yeah. Here is just zero. There's nothing. There's absolute zero. Yeah. There's even no talk about sex because, like, how can you have sex with somebody if you're afraid to touch them? Yeah, it's very much like they come across as this. They barely come across as a couple. We know, like, we don't even. And I think I do think it's like very purposefully left out. Um, we don't even see them in bed together. We see them yeah. in their beds separately, not in separate beds, but we see them in different scenes. We see Wendy alone in the bed, and then yeah. we see Jack alone in the bed. But yeah. We don't see them together in the bed. We see them interacting, like Jack's in bed and Wendy has like brought him breakfast. Brought him breakfast, yeah. But we don't see them in bed together, together which is yeah. like seems like a small thing when you talk about it, but it's 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 quite stark in it. Like it's like what? Yeah. I don't think they ever kiss in the film either. Um, and it's very Obviously obvious, really right? animosity. Yeah, like Jack clearly hates her right from the start. Like he's just got so much hate, just disdain like for her, venom spitting out of his mouth anytime he mentions her or has to talk to her. Uh, he's just so visibly uncomfortable and just like wants to do anything else but to open his mouth to this woman, which is really very mean because she's nice and normal. Yeah. It's and also. Like he's in, so he's in the massive like lobby room, for example. Yeah. And he, I'm gonna refer to my notes to find what he says. I feel like we're at the point we're not referring to our notes. Yeah, we're, we're not gonna, gonna go gonna through be the film. Going, yeah, we're just um, gonna talk about it. We're, we're just gonna, gonna talk about. Else. Everybody knows what happens in The Shining. If you don't, yeah, go and if watch you it don't, some prime. Frick you. Um. Yeah. So Jack is like gets angry because Wendy comes into the lobby room. It's like this massive room. It's the ceiling is as tall as my house. It's this huge room and he's just like sitting at the end of it at a table in the center on his typewriter. Um, And Wendy comes in and he just like lays into her about it and is like saying that like every time you come in here and you interrupt me, you disrupt my writing, you disrupt my process and I have to start all over again. So he's like, we're going to have a rule where you don't come in here if I'm here or if I'm typing. And it's just like... It's like this this massive room. If he was in this tiny office, you could be like, yeah, okay, there's an extent to which I can understand you being a bit annoyed. Um, you could definitely say it nicer, Jack. Yeah. But like, you know, it's like I'm working, I'm in the middle of something and you've just come into my, my working space. But this is like this giant room. It's the biggest room in 
the hotel. I mean, it seems. It's, it's, it's honestly very. From, yeah, it's funny that he even chooses this room to write in because this room doesn't have stores. There's too much. There's too much space for your thoughts to go. I feel like you need to yeah. be in a smaller room for your thoughts to stay in your brain. Yeah. It's a really um, stupid place to write, really. It's, because... a ter- it's a terrible place. In that place, in the actual hotel, if you're a guest there, there's like an hour where you can go and get cookies. You go and get cookies and coffee and tea. Maybe not tea, I don't know, it's America. But we were there, we were just there mm-hmm. for lunch. And we, we thought we were going to maybe be able to get cookies. But you get like a token, so we couldn't get cookies. It's really sad. Anyway, so you okay, there were no, you there's no cookies, cookies. in there. I didn't. Okay. It was so sad. Me and Bill were like, "Oh my god, maybe we can get some cookies." We could not. Um, that's beside the point. Um, there were no cookies in this film, but but yeah. So it's like he gets so angry at her for interrupting him when walking through the biggest room in the hotel, and he's like, "He's like, why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here?" Yeah, and he's he just does say that, yeah. rude. Yeah, he's just very rude. And that Wendy's just like, Wendy's very much being like the complacent wife and being like, yes, okay, sorry, I'll go. And, there's... and literally she comes over to him to ask him about going for a walk. <laughs> That's literally her thing. It's like, hey, you want to go for a walk later? It's like, why do you hate each other so much? Why yeah. are you together? You hate each other. Well, you get more context on this later on as Jack goes to the bar um, and starts talking to the barman, Lloyd, about... Yes. You know, stuff, and he talks about how he accidentally hurt his child, Danny, by picking mm-hmm. it up from the floor. So I think a lot of the intimacy problems kind of stem from that, and just Wendy not wanting to get close to Jack because there's already that kind of distrust in their relationship. Yeah. Um, although, you I know, think... looking at it, it's kind of even hard to think about how they made Danny because it feels so weird <laughs> to, to have those two people having sex. Yeah, it is. It's strange. Um, and Danny, the kid who plays Danny is so good. Yeah, he's um, good. He does a great job. But he has his little imaginary friend, Tony. Well, to be fair, who's to say it's imaginary? Um, very possibly not. Yeah, I guess um, Or not. at least he's given a name to the voice in his head or, you know. But um, he's so good because I feel like child actors in horror films, I think there's there's a degree to which... Like child actors, sometimes it's not as difficult for them to be good because children are stupid. So like, yeah. <laughs> you can just be like, "Hey, act like yourself," and they'll be convincing because they're stupid. But like, um, <laughs> I mean, not necessarily true. But okay. but like, he he doesn't just like play himself and play himself in a way that's quite unsettling. He also plays this other character that lives within him, and like uses a different voice he like behaves a bit differently he does like different things like he does facial expressions and everything that line up and he's just really good i think he's good but like you know he's not too annoying for a kid and stuff well that's the thing he's he's like you're on his side and you don't hate him sometimes you watch a horror film and you're kind of like if the kid died i wouldn't be mad yeah but there's also this thing of like i don't feel like kubrick really cared what he's doing that much you know it feels like you know because you know about you know i guess you know a little bit everybody knows a little bit about all the stories from the shining set and what what shealy uh had to go through to make this film and stuff you know but there's definitely like a lot of care that kubrick puts into all the other performances and they're all very specific mm-hmm. and all over the top in their own ways and danny to me kind of feels like like they just kind of let him do it and they're like yeah that's good enough you know you're a kid we'll fucking get you let you get away with this while Shelly's there, you know, 
for the 60th take screaming her lungs out you know and Kubrick just kind of keeps torturing her just for her to do it nice <laughs> well that's the I guess that's the thing that kind of might put you off watching The Shining nowadays now that we know yeah, more it's about stuff that. like that I mean, like, yeah. Shelley Duvall now is just, like, she's, like, a shell of a person. I think this is, what, her last film? One of her last films? Maybe. I, I mean, by she... the sounds of it, you can see why she would stop making movies. She appears in stuff, but, like, the stuff she appears in after that, oof, you know. It's very, very different kind of... Um, It's a different... Uh, Five. style of films to say the least right <laughs> did you see uh, Popeye I have not that's a Robert it's the only it's the only other film I've seen Shelley Duvall in yeah but that's like the same no. year kind of right <gasps> I've seen Casper Meets Wendy whoa she's in that I love Casper Meets Wendy what a film yeah but once you get past that right you have The Shining Popeye and Time Bandits um that's like and 80 80 81 right um and then she goes from making like yeah Robert Altman films she's in Annie Hall she's in like big stuff like that uh, she goes to like kid stuff mm-hmm. yeah, like some stuff about yeah like nothing big and it looks like smaller things it really feels like her career kind of gets to a halt in a way right well she moves to things that she can kind of figure won't be like traumatizing <laughs> Yeah, hopefully, right? Yeah, it's that, like how traumatizing can Popeye be? It's Popeye. I mean, yeah, I guess that's like kind of. She probably made it like in a similar time, so I'm sure like she didn't have like much to say I mean, about. She like, didn't have much trauma yet. Or like, yeah, she like what she would like pull out of it, like you know, probably was like made before The Shining or a similar time. So like, I'm sure she didn't have time to make that decision yet. And that's an Altman film, and she made a lot of Altman films and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she stopped making Robert Altman films later on. He still was making films. So, hmm. yeah, I'm sure something went wrong there. And it's, yeah, it's kind of sad to think about it. I did see, um, I, I I was, I saw like a Kubrick exhibition back in the day, which was really interesting. They had like props from his stuff and yeah, kind of good, good, good stuff. And they had like materials from behind the scenes of The Shining because somebody was filming it. So you do, you, you can watch, I'm sure you can find it somewhere online as well. You can watch some materials on how it looked like and kind of how the filming process went and what kind of what the set was like. And it is tense, you know, mm. it is very tense. And you just see Kubrick saying very nasty things and her so. being very distressed. Um, it's probably not as big as you maybe think it is because like, yeah, it's still like a working environment and people do things. But I would definitely say it was abusive by today's standards. For sure. And I mean, it's a horrible thing where you watch the film and you're like, I mean, it worked. Yeah, it's, it's a terrible thing to say, but it is a great performance. But she, like, she does do an incredible performance, but it does. It's that thing of like, maybe if you gave her the opportunity to give that performance without abusing her. Yeah, it would be nice like, if you it did, didn't hire like, ruin her. her life. Yeah, Yeah, you like hired her because you like thought she was the right person for the role, so maybe don't abuse her. Yeah. Because yeah, like, it, 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 it would be hard enough anyway, right? Jack Nicholson, who... Yeah reportedly had like a lot better time with Kubrick and like they had like a thing going on and they kind of collaborated and were okay with each other Jack Nicholson had to go through a lot of shit to get that film as well you know like done mm-hmm. because of so many takes and so much work so he basically just had to do this film all the time when he was shooting 
he's mm-hmm. in nearly every scene, so it's like he not it, nah, but he's in a lot of the film. He's in a lot of the scenes. Uh, I think specifically, it's like just when I was reading about, um, it was reading about like his experience filming it, and he definitely seems to like remember it in a much more like as like a happy memory, but yeah. at the same time. It's still like, you know, oh, he'd make me do this scene 36 times. And the yeah. scene he's talking about is the scene where he's talking to the barman, which is such a nondescript film or a nondescript scene. And I mean, it's an important scene because it kind of shows the like the beginning of his complete derailment. But at the same time, it's like you watch it and you're like, I can't imagine with like a great actor like Jack Nicholson. I, I can't conceive of why this would take 35 takes but I don't know. you know, so it's it is that. I mean, I've never, I've never directed a film, so <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah, it's it's that kind of thing of very purposefully pushing your actors to a point where they are just insane. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the idea of it. It's just like pushing them really far, and then you get something else out of a performance once they're really tired. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's true. Whether it's okay yeah. to do is another. <laughs> yeah, it's... I guess to a degree, like you know, Jack Nicholson is fine. He had a wonderful career later on, and now he can just talk about how terrible it was to do thirty something takes of a thing. But yeah, but it's definitely uh... a moral gray area. Yeah, but I would say that's probably. I mean, I don't think Jack Nicholson would be like saying that he was abused on the set of that film, or that Mm-mm. you know he wouldn't do it, or something like that. You know. Yeah, it's but just that he had like he was a difficult director, a good director yeah. to work with, but you know, not easy to please. Jack Nicholson's performance. Um I really like it and I think people I I don't know, I think um the general consensus of it is that it's great, but I don't think people understand what he's doing. <laughs> it's weird to me. Like I don't think there's enough understanding of what Jack Nicholson is doing because Jack Nicholson is giving a comedy performance. He's doing a comedic role. That's how I feel about it. I think he's doing basically a Jim Carrey thing before Jim Carrey was doing stuff. That's how it feels to me. I think that he does. I do, I think that what he does is good, but it is. There's definitely some kind of a Jim Carrey, like there's a caricature element to it. Um, yeah. But I think makes sense. You know, it's kind of, it's this man who's unraveling. Yeah. Um, and maybe has always kind of been that way on the, on the, under the, beneath the surface. Um, but yeah he does he's like he's really expressive like the he like mocks and also he was like I did read that he was given a lot of freedom in terms of like ad-libbing and stuff mm-hmm. um, and he like mocks Wendy a lot um, which is Shelley Duvall's character um, he's in general like just doing a lot in terms of like manipulating his voice like the way he talks um, yeah. and also his face as you said yeah basically like yeah at the beginning he's kind of like like you already like that was one of the Stephen King's criticisms of the film actually that you know right away that Jack is kind of something's off about him you know he, the first time you see him and you see him in the interview see him talking mm-hmm. to Ullman and you're already like yeah this guy something's off about him it's just not good right There's, it should have been a slow burn yeah and and King was like this is not what this was supposed to be Jack was supposed to be a guy who uh, you kind of root for and then kind of gets destroyed along the way by the hotel. Yeah, I was and... like, it's that's what I got. I was like, is he not supposed to be being affected by the hotel? But yeah, but which that's is not really... the case. But it's you know, 
I don't think that's what Kubrick is going for. I think Kubrick is very much like this guy's fucked up and he just he just needed a an excuse. That's kind of what I get from it. It's just like this guy has all this stuff built up in him and he just needs a place or a surrounding to not even like get it out of him, just for him to excuse himself like to for him to have an excuse to get it out of himself. That's Mm -hmm. how I read the shining the film not the book because the book is very much different in that way of like the ghosts the hotel the evil there is kind of what brings up the stuff um but yeah but and then yeah the way that jack nicholson does it is that the the more crazy jack gets or like the more uh, openly crazy he is the funnier he is he starts cracking jokes Mm -hmm. he runs around fucking doing basically one-liners uh having a grand old time he's having such a great time when he's running around that axe he's just like the best until he gets to the maze and then he just kind of turns into an animal completely because he stops saying words except for like danny but he kind of kind of loses comprehension of stuff i guess but it's also like very cold so maybe it's like maybe part of it well he no longer he no longer has the upper hand yeah that's also true yeah um but in the book does he mm -hmm. um is there the thing where he like once hit Danny before? Is that there's involved in the book? Thing, there's a thing in the book where he was an alcoholic and okay. he doesn't drink. So I don't think that's even mentioned in the film. But in the um, film he drinks. That that whole thing with drinking is also in the book. I from what I remember, I read the book like ages ago, so um, I'm sorry if I'm making mistakes here, but there's this whole thing, but there's also a thing about him being an alcoholic, so it's even a bigger deal that he gets that drink and stuff. Um but from what I remember, yes, I think that thing about something that happened in the past is still there. But Jack is more of a guy who's tr- really trying, right? You always get that idea from Jack Nicholson that he pretends he cares about Danny. He keeps talking about how important Danny is to Yeah, him, it's like insincere. Every- yeah, but every time it just feels like he's just kind of like this is what he's supposed to say, but he doesn't really feel that way. It feels really off. And I think in the book, it's not really like that. I think he's really trying. Um and there's like this more of a battle between him and the hotel and kind of that thing going on right um i think it's more of a struggle and you're supposed to feel closer to jack and feel like more of a connection and kind of yeah that the thing taking off is that taking over him is also like a bad thing there's a different ending as well in the book there's no maze in the book at all from what i remember that's a film thing they they didn't have a maze in the book um and i think it just ends yeah i think it ends i think god damn it i think there's something about like jack trying to kind of prevent the ghost from hurting even like wendy and danny like he still goes crazy but i think there's like the struggle even goes to the point where he tries to like make them escape against himself and the ghosts and stuff like that so it even goes to something like that so and then he kind of like stays behind or whatever and they escape and that's kind of the idea Uh, also holloran doesn't die in the book oh i think i feel like it's it would have been more effective if we didn't think Danny was, or if we didn't think Jack was unhinged from the beginning. Um, well, I think it's just like, that's the thing about the shining of the film. It's, it's a different, it's about something else than the book. And mm-hmm. that's maybe where a bit of the disconnect comes in this, in this film as well, is that the book was about ghosts and kind of, yeah, fighting against that evil. Well, I think the film is about, how terrible men are and what terrible things we've done and how True. we want to keep doing them. <laughs> it's like it's a lot more nihilistic in this kind of approach to stuff. So I think the fact that Jack doesn't have that kind of 
even conscious like consciousness part of him of like like that kind of thing of that wants to do good kind of goes along with what the film is about which is i think about how white men uh, are used to power and how they love to execute it and they'll take any chance to get to do it and they're the worst and like how history allows them to do it as well mm-hmm. <laughs> how history proves them that doing it is great and you should keep doing it time and time again even now yeah and like there's like that's where the kind of native american thing kind of comes in i think because yeah there's a lot of native american stuff going on in this film but there's also like stuff with um uh, african americans like holoran is like the only uh, black character mm-hmm. in this film we'll talk about him in a second because i want to talk about him as well um but you know there's also this power play there's this uh the scene in the bathroom uh where he talks to um grady grady they use the n-word a few times Mm-hmm. And it's also like kind of this display of power over black people and stuff like that, or like that kind of thing of you are the caretaker here, you are the white man, you are the man, you're white, you're the head of the family, you're supposed to do this, this, and this, you're supposed to execute the power. And the only reason for it is because he's got a contract. Like that's literally the only kind of motivation that Jack has in this film, other than he just wants to do it. <laughs> <laughs> he loves doing it so much. Yeah, it's... Um, uh, but I think, like, I I watch it and there's a lot of things where I'm just like, why is this happening? And where the... what? Like, there's a lot of questions that I feel like just don't get asked, which they don't need to get asked. Or, fuck, no. answered. Jesus Christ. Um, there's a lot of questions that don't get answered. And they don't need to be answered, but... Like what? They're still there. But ju- just in the sense of, like, why it's all happening. Because I think... The mistake that was made oh. is making Jack kind of shitty from the beginning. Because yeah. it's like, well, then I would expect that he'd do this anyway. Like, I don't... Whereas if they had made it that he was super nice and then changed in the hotel, that would make more yeah. sense. Yeah. But I think Kubrick doesn't care about the ghosts. That's the kind of the main answer to that is because mm-hmm. I don't think he cares that they're ghosts. Like, for him, I think the ghosts are just an excuse. Yeah. Um, and part of the story. But... Like, there's literally only one thing that happens in this film that kind of couldn't have happened without ghosts, and that's Jack being released from the foot cupboard. Everything else, there don't really have to be ghosts. And there are, like, theories about how Jack was let out from that place without the aid of ghosts as well. Like, but yeah, I saw it for him. in the documentary, I saw that they said, they were like, well, maybe Danny let him out. Yeah, there's, like, different kind of ideas of what could have happened there. But, like, yeah, I think the ghosts are... Just not a priority for Kubrick. And I, I like that. I mean, I like the book as well. The book has a lot more context on, yeah, the hotel and all that kind of stuff. Who's in it, people in it, like the kind of bad stuff that happens in it. I think 237 has more context as well in the book, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. And there's more about like the sin and like the bad stuff that happened there. And that kind of influences everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think the I film is just about Jack being bad, a bad person. Yeah. I do think that... um. Yeah, I like the way he doesn't emphasize on the ghost too much, or doesn't focus on the ghost too much. Like, the ghosts are there, but it's never this thing that's... It doesn't need to be established, but, like, they're not treated necessarily as ghosts in the same way other films might. You know, they're just sort of other people in the hotel. Right, um, yeah, they're just characters, and we know, right? Yeah, and we know they're ghosts because they're... Besides the fact they're all, like, old-timey, but they're also, like... The hotel is isolated by snow. They didn't get in. They, like, they, the hotel's closed. 
but we don't other than that we don't need to be like actively told they're ghosts or like see something super supernatural to view them as ghosts that i like because it's like i don't need you to tell me they're ghosts i can tell yeah Mm, yeah and i agree with that but um yeah in terms of just more explanation i guess that's just not the kind of film that he wants to do and that's it he wants you to focus on yeah why like i think that the 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 main yeah that that scene the bathroom is just the one that always kind of hits me when i'm watching this film and it has so much information i think about kind of the approach to this film and what why there's like that you know uh mm-hmm. grady telling jack you've always been the caretaker here i know i've been here forever you've always been the caretaker you're the caretaker you're you've always been like it's like what 50 years since 1921 since the photo mm-hmm. and it's just like this idea of jack is not just jack jack is kind of a representation of all those kinds of people and all those bad things that happened in the hotel before the twins it's always um, a white man yeah it is always the white man and that's what this was about <laughs> whether it's native americans or black people or i don't know uh what else like the holocaust if you want to go back to what the other guy was saying it's you know it's um Minotaurs. 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 <laughs> yeah, sure. That was not a white man. That was a, a bull thing. Horsey lad. That's centaur. Yeah. Whatever. But like, yeah, the idea is, I think it's just the idea of power, right? You are in position of power, and you that position of power gives you the right to do whatever you want, and you get so much support from everybody around you, and that's great, and. Yeah, and you got a, a a wife who keeps talking to you, like, and she doesn't understand anything. Like Jack is so, like, he's so sure that Wendy has nothing to say. Like everything she says, he just feels like he needs to explain to her. Like there's so much mansplaining in this film on on the level of like he's just so annoyed that he has to talk to her. Um, and so, yeah, like you have your son, and your son is annoying and talks to a black guy, and that's terrible. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, it's like you know, it's all all sorts of like kind of power plays like that, and and that frustration that's in Jack is just yeah, I think a very a very white man frustration. Like when mm-hmm. at the end when he starts screaming at Wendy that you know that nobody understands his responsibilities and stuff like that, you know that's like that's high tier empowerment entitlement kind of thing. Exactly. You know? With white men, it's like no one needs to care because. The system cares, but also, you, like you're not gonna be judged anywhere near as harshly as anywhere else. So it doesn't who who cares? Who gives a fuck? Yeah, you could have the hardest task in the world and you could fuck it up. It doesn't matter. You're gonna be praised for it. Um, the the problem that like I guess white men don't understand is that yeah, it's just impossible for a white man like me, for example, to <clears throat> to imagine not being a white man. Just like it mm-hmm. is impossible for anybody else to kind of be somebody else you know mm-hmm. i mean so you think that your problems are the biggest problems in the world and then you kind of start having the feeling that oh all those other people keep complaining about real bad things that happen to them but i am also sad and i don't know why so acknowledge that right and i think you can even to draw it back to like current events and you think about what happened in kenosha in wisconsin and there was mm-hmm. a kid who crossed state lines specifically traveled there a white 17 year old kid of course mm-hmm. a man boy yeah um with 
a massive gun, like a machine gun. I I guess it's a machine gun. I don't know the breeds of gun. Um, but like a massive gun that you can't conceal. You're very much like proudly holding it. Yeah. Um, he was able to go in and like slaughter multiple people and was peacefully arrested and versus so many black people primarily men but also women um in the states being shot for no reason and and again it comes down to the thing of he also shouldn't have been shot it was it was good that he was arrested peacefully but it's it's the fact that it's it's not the it's the standards are different for if you're a white man versus a black man, if you're white or if you're black, like just because like, it's that thing of people come back and they say, well, you know, that man who they shot was like, he had warrants out for his arrest or like he was a bad person because he did this. And it's like, that doesn't matter. The death penalty exists. I think, I think it's mostly abolished throughout the States. Um, You know, but it did exist and they abolished it for a reason the justice system exists for a reason and it was determined that like the death sentence the the death sentence doesn't make sense or whatever um but it's like no one's saying that you should have shot that white kid what we're saying is that don't shoot anybody it just arrests them yeah yeah like unless just... and the thing is is that obviously there's exceptions to the rule in the sense that like there's certain I mean, I'm not a police officer. I don't want to be one. But, like, there's obviously certain situations that it ends up being this thing of, like, you know, there's a standoff or there's different things happening where there's only one other option. But all of the evidence of these kind of situations, it's always just, I'm intimidated by that person, so I'm just going to kill them. It's easier. I'm just going to shoot them. Yeah. And it's, like, regardless of whether or not that person is innocent or guilty of whatever crime you're assuming they've committed shooting them isn't what you're supposed to do you're supposed to just you do the law arrest them put them in jail yeah i, I think that's that that's what would be called like systemic racism right like the yeah. the system has like preconceived notions about uh black people and white people and kind of when you know the, theoretically everybody is the same i guess but then once you get to the situation is like there's stuff that you know make black men be in a worse position when getting to that point like you know there's lots of reasons for that you know that that come from the history of the united states that's not you know that long but very fruitful and all sorts of things that happened in Mm -hmm. that regard and then you just kind of get that situation where yeah technically we have a system or they have a system that kind of supposed to be fair but because of all that stuff that happened before it is just you know it's just it's it's impossible to think of it working that way because there's too many uh fears and preconceived notions and stuff like that just in the minds of people it's just impossible to battle it you know? yeah and i feel like the insane thing is the fact that like the like the african americans and the black people in america who were like in slavery weren't mm-hmm. they were always subdued like they were the Americans and like the core of the American history in the sense of as people who came from England, the bastards, um, who raped and pillaged the natives. Like yeah. they're the ones who have been historically violent across the globe. But for some reason they're the ones who feel like they're under attack. And it's like number one, 
you deserve so many reparations. Number two, it's just insane to think that it's like, oh, but we're afraid of them. And it's like, but you're the ones who have always been murdering them. Like, you've always kept them subdued. I think it makes a lot of sense. Like, if you invade a nation and you completely ruin it and then you invade a few other nations and then you take them to your place and use them then i think it's a very normal thing for that person like for that uh group of people who are in position of power to then be afraid once that changes you know i'm not saying they're not in position of power now but what i'm saying is the system has changed a little bit yeah there's more rights and you know i'm sure a lot of people are afraid like you know that's the kind of guilt complex that you have because you don't have to you know you have to live with that thing that happens you know it happens Mm-hmm. and um you know and there's like lots of stuff that kind of happened on the way right you know there's been a lot of things that kind of um affirmed that view of black people as being violent or you know there's you know, like we were talking about what we were talking about uh birth of a nation last week and mm-hmm. there's this whole thing in birth of a nation of like a an african-american who wants to rape one of the white girls you know and there was just like loads of stuff like that about yeah but and then it's like okay but yeah. all the slave owners raped all their female slaves yeah. so it's nothing it always comes back of like will you set these standards well yeah no exactly but it's like you set these standards and like there's bad white people there's bad black people there's bad asian people there's bad people all over the place there's bad men there's bad women there's bad non-binary people like there's bad people across the globe it there's it doesn't make a difference like sure if someone's stronger than me, they can inflict more pain. But if someone's stronger than me, but I personally am like evil, I can still overcome that, you know? So it's like, we're all just people. And how, I bet you're wondering, guys, how are we going to dig ourselves out of this hole? Well, I, uh, yeah, I want to <laughs> talk about hollering. That's that's how we're going to dig ourselves out of it. Yeah, because... hollering. The interesting thing is that hollering is like, the nicest character in the film but he's funnily like framed I, mean, I think at the start he's framed as though he's gonna be a problem really did you get that I idea that. from him but just because, because he's, he's like, like so because he's like this kind of a thing of like a showman guy about it not even that just like i mean the most dangerous people are the ones who are the most charismatic that's why i'm a lethal mm. weapon um mm. but but no like there's the whole thing of like he calls Danny Doc, and Wendy's yeah. like, "How do you know we call him Doc?" Oh. And he's like, oh, "I just knew." Um, and you're like, "Why does he know? That's suspicious. Why does he know?" But then it transpires that he and Danny both do that shining thing, where they have yeah. like telepathy. So that's why. And then it ends up being that he's like. I mean, he actually doesn't do jack shit. To be fair, uh, he just gets murdered, but which I which in, I love, which I know yeah. a lot of people have problems with, but I think that's actually great. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately Wendy and Danny had to save themselves. Um, someone had to die, but Wendy and Dan- Danny definitely had to live, but Wendy also should have lived. Um, like the the hotel couldn't um overcome them. That wouldn't be nice. Um. But yeah, it's feel, it's like yeah. I feel like because there is this mystery of like why does he know why does he know everything about Danny? It's spooky, but then it's actually he ends up being the kind of the solace that Danny has, and he's because they're able to communicate with their brains, 
they can like he can be like I'm in danger and Danny's like ah yeah I think Halloran has more to do in the in the book in the film he's mostly there to kind of explain The Shining mm-hmm. and then to be yeah kind of that that um like something to kind of give you hope at the end or like it's 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 a misdirection that's what I'm looking for he's like the mm-hmm. misdirection at the end that you're thinking that he's gonna come in and change something and then he gets murdered right away mm-hmm. um. But it is the always, stereotype. Yeah, it's kinda. but it's a classic thing of it happens in so many horror films that the person who saves you has to be you. It's it's not it's not as interesting if the person who saves you is someone else. Because the whole point yeah. is you've been dealing with this and you have to get the upper hand. You have to win. You have to beat the the monster or whatever, whether that monster is a human or an actual monster. You have to beat them. Yeah, that's true. Um but also, I I was thinking of the stereotype of the black guy dies first, which is a mm, well-known true. horror trope. Classic. In this case, it's even the only guy who dies. So that's yeah. something. It's kind of funny to think that Jack is trying to murder a woman, a child, and Halloran. Yeah, <laughs> it's like literally. That's what, those are his targets. It's, it's pretty sad. But he also yeah, fucks I, up a door. He fucks up two he doors. Also, he, yeah, he kills that door. Yeah. When you think that does not like the doors, yeah. But there's this. I I think it just makes sense here because yeah, it just kind of amplifies that whole thing of yeah, white violence. I think that's yeah important. There's one point yeah when he's drinking at the bar, he also says that thing where he says, uh, where he gets a bourbon, and and he starts drinking and he says it's a white man's burden, and he says it twice. Like he even repeats it so you get it. It's like when no Um, one laughs at your joke. And you're like, oh, they just didn't hear it. So you say it again. Yeah, but like, what it's there for a reason for sure for me. Like, I, that's one well, of no, those yeah. things where I'm like, yeah, it's you, you don't put something like that by accident, I think. And you don't repeat it, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the thing about I'm thinking of ending things as well. It's just like, yeah. Um, things you repeat something, reason. that means it, it's it's important. You should remember mm-hmm. that if it's repeated. So just going back to Halloran, I think that, yeah, the, the thing that he dies, I like that. The, the the more problematic thing is that he kind of is the, the the magic black man thing. You know, did you see mm-hmm. ever see that Key and Peele sketch that they did? It's no, I know great. about the stereotype of the magic black man. Yeah, I don't think I've seen uh, the Key and so Peele sketch. So he is very much that guy, unfortunately. Like he's like the yeah the the full on stereotype of that guy, and that yeah, and he also has that scene in the hotel room or his apartment. Yeah, I think it's his apartment where he's watching TV. With like the, the zoom outs with the paintings he's got as well. That's really weird. I don't know yeah, why they need there. us to see um, his paintings of naked African women for for no reason. That is that is really weird. It is it's strange. It's a it's a very nice zoom out in both cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's strange to be placed. Not sure where that's there. But yeah, but that whole thing is it's a bit jarring. I think you know once mm-hmm. you're kind of used to it because it was so prominent in the cinema of the eighties and nineties. You kind of yeah. notice it. I think now. Uh, but yeah, but other than that, yeah, it's that's kind of his character. That's my only complaint about him, I guess. So what I was going to say was just about the... Because he gives them the tour of the kitchen, basically. Yeah. Um, specifically Wendy and Danny. And one thing I kind of noted was... Um, let's go down. Um, yeah, like he brings them... He shows them the freezer... And the storage mm-hmm. freezer, which is like this big room that is frozen, essentially. Like, it's got a lot of frozen meat in it. And I was like, oh, that's a Chekhov's gun. Like, someone's going to go in that freezer. Um, yeah. 
And the interesting thing is that I feel like it is a Chekhov's gun, but in a weird convoluted way. So like you th- yeah. so my assumption was like, oh, someone's gonna end up in that freezer and they're gonna die, whatever. But he also shows them the storage cupboard kind of thing, which is the same kind of thing. It's pretty much the same size room, it's right beside it, but it's a storage cupboard, so it's not frozen. Um yeah. so later on in the film, Wendy locks Jack in the cupboard. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not the freezer, yeah. Not the freezer, contrary to what I thought. Um, so mm-hmm. that's kind of his little prison. And then he gets out somehow. <laughs> but so it was kind of a double sneaky check out gun. He gets trapped in there, but then at the end, Jack freezes to death. Yep. So it's like he was put in this kind of prison similar to the freezer, and he did freeze to death. He did die of being in too much cold. Yeah. That is true, and I'm sure that's part of why they showed a freezer. Or maybe they just want us to know how many lamb legs they had. Hard to know. They do get into a lot of details, but I think that's also, yeah, just to show you that they have enough food and that's not a problem. Yeah, no, I know. Um, Anyways, they're not going to resort to cannibalism as as the story goes in the car. Yet. Um, Still. Yeah. But yeah, the freezing thing for sure, you know, that's just one of the things. Um, what do you think of uh, the other iconic stuff that happens in the film? What about the no uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy? Do you know that's going to happen? Probably. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I yeah, like I knew it was a thing. I I guess I don't know to what extent I would say it's impactful. (laughs) Um, like it happens. It's like a thing. I guess it's kind of interesting. But ultimately, it's more just like it adds to the creepiness and the kind of mysterious yeah. aspect of Jack's being, etc. But I don't. It wasn't. It, I don't know. It didn't stand out too much. It stood out because I, I knew it was uh, a the thing. first time I saw it. I loved it. It's kind it's, of a. It's good. It's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's a, to me, it's kind of a small aspect of it. Okay. It's well, a small I mean, moment. I, I think it's the time when you really realize how bad he is and how bad he always was. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I also love how uh, how Wendy just comes up to that big stack of stuff and she just keeps scrolling through it and she just keeps doing it and doing it, like, believing that... Someone had to type all those. Like... Yeah, he typed all of them and he was typing all the time. There's, like, a full book of that there. And... No, but someone actually, like, a set person had to type all of those. Yeah, I'm sure that wasn't that, you know... I'm sure it's fine. It was a lot of pages. It's not like yeah. today where you could like... Sure. Yeah. No, but Megan like, said it, it that wasn't, someone did really have to do them all. Yeah, but it's not like they didn't have to do the full stack, first of all. They only show like maybe up to like 30 pages on this one. It's Kubrick. And, he uh, probably made them do the whole stack. Oh, come on. They did like <laughs> probably like... It was like somebody's day of work and it was really boring. But like, come on. Uh, it wasn't that bad. But Megan like, was like, and it that... was definitely a woman because the fastest typist was definitely a woman. <laughs> probably true. That is probably true. They probably made the woman do it. Mm-hmm. But um, but I just love that Wendy just keeps going through that stack until Jack comes in. And like, <laughs> I, I always look at her in that scene. I'm like, what are you looking for? Like, what else are you going to find there? <laughs> One's like, going to be a beautiful a page, poem. Yeah, what if there is a page of normal prose there somewhere? What is that going to change? Like, there's nothing that's going to change when you just thought there's been like 20 pages of this run away yeah. like i know why it's just like this kind of like it's, wendy yeah. is that kind of character that's also a different thing from the book in the book she's a lot more strong-willed and not as fragile and that was one of the things that Kubrick changed is that that's also why they hired, hired uh shelly duvall 
um because that Kubrick had this vision of like her being more fragile and more like yeah kind of scared of stuff but she does she she it's not like she's stupid but she's definitely like very emotional and kind of um i guess weak you would say like yeah she's feeble but yeah definitely strength wise and like she's she's very um like slim like she's very much like there's no way she could win in a fight between her and jack yeah but she kind of looks like she looks like a I don't mean that in a, in a mean way, but she's like a like a long stick. So it kind of <laughs> looks like if, if there was like a lot of wind and she could like kind of fall over. It's like, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, she's definitely she's feeble physically and definitely like mentally and emotionally. She's quite fragile, but she's not completely helpless. Like she yeah. doesn't she doesn't shy away completely from like. Um, conflict with Jack you know she yeah she, she'll stand up for her son that kind of thing especially I think it's specifically and it's that thing of the the mother's intuition and the mother in general is that it's like well my son is in danger I'm gonna protect my son uh yeah and um she does hit Jack on the head with a baseball bat like it also show, kind of shows how helpless Jack is really and how he doesn't know what he's doing yeah um but uh she does kind of get to lock him she slices that, his hand slices his hand and she's generally you know, she she can kind of get around well mm-hmm. enough, but she's definitely weaker than the book, from what I remember, at least. That makes sense. Um, she's more of a strong-willed character there. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite, I think, one-liner is uh, Wendy, I'm home. Wendy, I'm home is great. It always makes me laugh. <laughs> uh, I think it's very funny. There was um, one point where he said, Wendy, darling. And I liked that because it's like Wendy, darling, from Peter Pan. Oh, okay. That's her name. Her That's name nice. is Wendy Darling. I was like, haha. Nice. Don't know. Can't give you any derived meaning. Um, just beyond the fact that I um, noticed it in the syntax. Yeah, I don't. I'm, that maybe Kubrick didn't think of that one. Maybe he didn't think of that. Mm. I mean, I maybe know. Jack is kind of being seen, <laughs> seen as Peter Jack- Pan because he's trapped in his own little world in his brain. And plus, all work and no play um, makes Jack a dull boy. Play, Peter Pan, Neverland, Never Grow Up, playing. I don't know. I think it just so happened that he said Wendy and then he said Darling. And it was a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the word play. I'm trying to get the letters to, to, to go into something else. You can say lap. Yelp. Maybe lap out of play. Yelp. Lap. Just like you would do laps around the moon. <laughs> Holy shit, The Shining is about the moon, moon landing. landing. How he faked it. Kobe faked it. <laughs> Kobe faked the moon landing. Fuck, he did. Ali, we need to cancel this podcast because they're going to find us. The oh, American no. government is going to find us and they're going to murder us We're because pranking. we know too much. It's a prank. We didn't. We know nothing. I swear. Please. No. Was that I'm sorry, NASA. The guy in the documentary is also funny because he says, and I've heard that actually a lot. Uh, from different kind of conspiracy theory guys he says I think we actually went to the moon it's just that the footage itself was faked which makes me like more sympathetic to kind of uh, his thing because he's like yeah we probably went to the moon it's just that the footage itself was faked I'm like it sounds like a more oh, reasonable yeah, approach stuff, stuff like that happens you know in time so yeah I can kind of get that you know mm-hmm. but the whole thing about Kubrick is just like weird to me Kubrick Basically, being involved his like Proof is like 2001 was like a uh, preparing for this 
And then there's stuff similar in 2001 to what's going on, the footage of the moon landing. So that means Kubrick did it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then the shiny, the, the, bo- the boy has an Apollo 11. One of the interesting things, the compelling... I don't know how compelling it is. <laughs> the compelling <laughs> Holocaust argument in my room 237 notes, which did yes. not last very long, um, was... Because also there was the whole thing of like, The Shining was described as the wave of terror that swept across America. And the guy in the documentary is like, well, there's been other waves of terror, not just the film. But, you know, there is the Native American genocide, but there's also um, like the race relations. There was many like there was very much an attempt at um, black genocide. Um, You could argue Mm -hmm. that it's ongoing, but um, more openly back then in like the early 1900s. And I mean, before that as well. Um, But anyway, that was just me revisiting my notes. Um, So there's a bit where we see the typewriter. It's a German typewriter. Uh, It's an Adler typewriter, which has an eagle as a symbol. An eagle is a symbol for both Nazi Germany and for America. And we see um, the number 42 a lot. They say a lot. They only showed one example. So, um, but it's on Danny's like jumper or t-shirt or whatever, the number 42. And it's like, well, if you put the typewriter and the number together, like the fact that it's a German typewriter, etc. In 1942, the Nazis conspired to kill all of the Jews. Yeah, I don't buy any of that. <laughs> that is just to me is like, hey, look at that number 42 <laughs> in the background there. Oh, doesn't that skin guy look like a minotaur to you? <laughs> well, that's a different person. A... But yeah, uh, I also... mean, yeah. it's a stretch. It's all a stretch. The the genocide vibe in general, I can say, I can kind of be like, yeah, I yeah. guess that's not a stretch. Um, but other than that... There's a vibe of something bigger going on in the background, definitely, mm-hmm. than what you're seeing. Yeah, like it's Jack is that, a symbol of something. Yeah, but I don't know if like stuff like that I really buy. Like I don't know, the number forty two definitely feels a bit of a stretch to me. <laughs> um, but okay. Also, did you get to the point where the guy Taggart talks about Kubrick's face in the clouds? No. Is this like the sex in Lion King? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly like the sex in Lion King. He says that Kubrick's face is in the clouds, and they show the clouds in the film. And I don't know if the guy didn't see it himself, but like, there's no like outline around it, so you just see the shot from the film. And you're supposed to see it, and I literally <laughs> don't see anything but clouds. Like, I have no idea where it's even supposed to be. I have no idea what he's talking about, and Incredible. they don't outline it. So it's like, why do you even show it? <laughs> What's the point? Yeah, these two the sex they outline it, uh, but you know, but they can't because it's not there. True. No, That's the, the sex you can the see issue. the sex pretty easily. You can. But they still outline it to show you. But like, just in case you miss it, whereas he was like, fuck, wait, I can't find it, but I swear I saw it. I was really high. I had taken a few shrooms, but I swear I saw it. He was like, I swear yeah. it's there. But, like, stuff like that now can get, like, easily proven because you can just show sh- slow motion it or, like, pause it quickly and then you see it. It's not exactly. that big of a deal. Uh, but the Kubrick face? I don't know. I, I still haven't seen it, so... What is he... The Fucking... funny thing is, like, what is he even trying to go with there? Like... What's he trying to convince us of? Like, Kubrick's face is in the clouds, so... Ergo, that means... That Stanley Kubrick made this movie. Now, I'm not sure, but I think he did. He's trying to make something out of nothing, because he's like, I want to be the person who found the naked, the, like, porn scene in The Rescuers. It's like, you can't, you can't be that person. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I just want to quickly mention that 
this is the second film in a row on this podcast where we talk about a film that shows a vagina. It did. It showed new... up. We haven't talked about the naked lady. Yeah, we can quickly talk about the naked lady. Does she freak you out? No. I've got a naked... I think I've it's pretty a... disgusting. She's uh The female body, really how dare you? Um, yeah, that's no, true. Um, Her makeup is pretty, 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 uh, pretty, pretty gruesome. Yeah, it's so. What happens is, I can only talk about it because you are not allowed because you don't, you don't have um, female bits. As far as I know, how you, do you know? As far as I know, yeah, you can have female bits if you want. But you've talked quite a few times about your penis and um, ejaculation and stuff. I just, I can't, can't <laughs> shut up about it. <laughs> just can't stop talking about it. It's all, it's all the rage. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, no. So there's a woman because basically. Danny comes back from like a room. He's gone into room 337. I'm really bad at enunciating. He's gone into room 237 and he's yeah. come down. His jumper has been ripped a bit. He's got like yeah. bruises on his neck and he's like sucking his thumb. So he's clearly distressed. And um, Wendy like accuses Jack of doing it. And then Jack is just kind of like, whatever. Um, and then later on, Wendy is like, oh, Jack said that there was this woman in this room. There's a lunatic here. Um, and she yeah. tried to strangle Danny uh, whatever and then Jack goes to the room and he and if I remember correctly I feel like I blinked and it changed Um, but I think that first you see the room and it's just a normal bathroom there's a bath and then it yeah. looks back to Jack and then it looks back to the bathroom again and there's suddenly like a figure behind the curtain of the bath Yeah. Um, and she draws back the curtain and it's a naked woman there's no water yeah. in the bath so don't know what she's bathing in or at least it doesn't sound like there is I guess there is because we literally see there is water Um, there was I guess no Foley artists around that day Um, but there's a naked woman she's like a beautiful young woman with a good body she gets up she like walks towards him and he's kind of like does nothing and then eventually they kiss and then while they're kissing he like opens his eyes and he looks there's a mirror behind them and he sees like mold and like general kind of decaying vibes all over the woman's back and it's kind of clearly a different body and then it's like there's like hysterical laughter and it's basically a it's like an old woman who's like decaying and yeah gross and she like follows him and he's like ah! yeah he's uh disgusted more than anything <laughs> Um, yeah, it's funny we talked about sex in this film, film, but we didn't talk about that woman who clearly represents <laughs> We're like, there's Jack's no, desire to fuck. There's no sex in this film. Think. There's no nudity. There's no kissing. And then we're like, wait, there. So there was a bit. There was a bit of that. I but guess. it's not with Wendy anyway. But it's like, yeah, there's this little bit, yeah. which kind of turns into a horror thing anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's kind of it. But that lady does have a vagina, and you can see it. You can see, technically speaking... As much as you can see a vagina. Technically speaking, we see her pubis. Yes, exactly. It's kind of hard to show a vagina in film in that kind of context. Mm -hmm. It is. We just see her hairs. Yeah, great. So that was The Shining. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about that, so that's all I wanted to talk about, really. I just want to talk Um, about nudity. Any final thoughts on The Shining? um, That's some wet-ass pussy. Some wet-ass pussy, yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you see um, Ben Shapiro trying to read lyrics to, to Wet Ass Pussy? Wet Ass P Word. saying Pussy. Wet Ass P Word. Yeah. It is. Oh my God, I laughed so much at that. Have you ever, have you and listened it, to the censored version of the song? I think I did. And I think I was confused by it. It's I don't know. So what funny. did they say in the censored? 
So there's a bit where um, Cardi B says, like, I want you to touch that dangly thing that swings in the back of my throat. And they censor pretty much that whole section. Really? <laughs> They're like, I want you to... That one's too uh, much. Yeah. It's like, I want you to... Uh, dangly. Uh, make it... Make, that like, is such a funny line, it by just, the way. It's such a great line. I know, it's great. Um, <laughs> they just censor, like, that whole section. <laughs> so stupid. Um, th- I mean, they don't say why I asked pussy. So there's two versions. What'd they say? They say, so there's one version where it's just whap. And she just says, that's a whap. And I like that, because that's better on the beat, to be honest. Um, but the other version, the version that seems to be in the music video, which makes me really upset, they say, um, wet and gushy. Which is disgusting. <laughs> that's even worse. It's disgusting. Wow. <laughs> wet and gushy. Wow. Yeah, that it's kind of terrible. ruins the vibe a it little bit. It really does. It's like, this, this song, this video was supposed to be sexy, but you're just saying wet and gushy yeah. a lot. That's upsetting me. It's really funny to me how wet ass pussy is such a big deal for people. I, I know. know. It's so great. <laughs> it's a pretty funny song. I don't I know. know. I thought it was pretty I funny. I feel like, personally, I feel like all of Cardi B's music has like a sense of humor. Um, like there's very much a sincerity yeah. that comes with it. And the same as Megan The Stallion. It's like, there's a sincerity there, but there's also like the sense of humor and like the self-awareness. And it's like, listen, men have been talking about their own bodies and like other bodies like this forever but everyone's upset because women are doing it yeah this is not my like area of music or anything like that but i I had a pretty good time listening to it but like i I, I kept thinking about that uh song that kanye did with that other little rapper guy that was also about sex i love it Uh, yeah i love it and that made me feel really uncomfortable and uh wap didn't so exactly i thought what else pussy was a lot like it was yeah it had more of like a sense of humor and it was more like i don't know yeah, need a like, bucket and know. a mop for this way I was Yeah, like, I don't know. It was it was just jokey and, and kind of sexy and fun. I don't mm-hmm. know. It was. I had a good time listening to it. I, again, like the the music video is not my style though because I think, yeah, those those kinds of things like are so like they they have too much stimulus for me. Like it's just so much stuff going on and it's like an There's aesthetic that I can't get. Mm-hmm. Um, and sexy in a way that I don't like because it's very overpowering. You know, there's so much stuff going on like fucking tigers and shit and those like. <laughs> colorful rooms and like i don't know i don't i, I kind of don't like that but the song itself i like mm-hmm. song is good fun. I, I don't like to listen to it regularly or anything but like i thought it was fun you just fall to sleep fall asleep to it um yeah <laughs> i sometimes fall asleep to like really hard metal because oh. i'm just so used to it so i don't really care so sometimes i can listen to like a really hard metal especially when i'm in a car and I just listen to like Napalm Death or something and I drift away. It's a really weird sleep when you while sleep you're driving. Death. Yeah, while I'm driving. That's hazardous. Yeah. When I'm driving my truck and uh, you know, it's late at night and um, I just I just doze off a little bit. Is sometimes. it a big it's Mac a hard truck? Life. life of a truck driver. Yeah, it's a big Mac truck. Sure. You're gonna slide the big Mac truck right in the little garage. <laughs> That's a good one. Beep! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, music. Um, oh, so those are my, those are last final thoughts on, on The Shining. I, <laughs> Our don't final even, thoughts I don't know how we got there. On The Shining are um, Cardi B, Pussy. Oh, that is a wet-ass pussy in The Shining. That is true. Mm, we, don't know about, we don't know if it's wet in the terms of arousal, but we do know it's been in a bath. So Yeah, so it's a wet-ass pussy. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned. Be I mean, wet ass p word. I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> say that word. That was very wet and gushy. 
What and gushy. Disgusting. Um. So that was that was the shining. Everybody. Would yeah. You? Um. I like talking about it that way without the plot. I don't know. I, I wonder if people like it that way. We'll see. Maybe if you liked it, t- let us know. Yeah. If you didn't like it, let us know too. Let us. If you don't like it, let us know. But like, do it in a way that you don't hurt our feelings because we're very sensitive. We're delicate. Yeah. Please. Exactly. But um. I wonder, because I don't know. For me, sometimes we talk about the the plot, and sometimes I feel like it's too linear. Time to talk about what us pussy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just I'm always waiting until we can talk about um, Cardi B's newest song, and um, yeah, stuff exactly. So yeah, I feel like there's an extent to which talking about it in that way is good because the linear aspect. I feel like we leaned on the linear way of doing it because we were like, well, people mightn't have seen it, so they're listening and they haven't seen it. But maybe it's better to not talk about it in the linear way. Who fucking yeah, knows? I think maybe. Yeah, Let's and try. it was The Shining, so I think most people are kind of at least familiar with what happened, so maybe it's mm-hmm. not that big of a deal. Yeah. With less known things, you know, maybe it's better to stick to the mm-hmm. linear thing. We'll see. I yeah. don't know. If you have feedback, let us know uh, at our email address, fhkpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, uh, before we end, let's let's get down to business. So, Abby, mm-hmm. um, in the film The Shining, mm-hmm. who do you want to fuck, haunt, and kill? Well, um... There aren't too many options. Um, I think no. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck the I'm gonna fuck the lad in the bear costume. Um, okay. Because he just he seems to like to have fun. Um, so that's sure true. He seems too, to be yeah. quite a giver. Um, so I'm gonna go for that. I. But I mean, I don't know. I'd be a bit worried that maybe his skills are related to um, penises, sucking dicks, or like penis related things so i don't know how much experience he has with well listen he's gonna need a bucket and he's gonna need a map he can deal with it are you so excited to see like a guy in a bear costume is that what you're talking about (laughs) no i was just trying to bring it back to our wet ass pussy all right bit we would never do a bit so it wasn't a bit but you know what i mean um well, it was a factual statement. <laughs> yeah, it was a factual statement. Um, yeah, no, so I'm going to fuck the bear, lad. Um, cool. And then I'm going to haunt... I'm going to haunt the lad who, like, gave Jack the job. Because I just feel like he fucked everything up. Um, okay. So I want him to, like, Ullman. be aware. Because yeah. especially he, like, talks about, like, what happened before. He's like, oh, you know, this happened before, whatever. Doesn't he? He, like, tells him about... What happened yeah, to the family he tells him who the story of the, the twins. Yeah. yeah, so it's like he knew. He knew what was going to happen. Um, and then I'm going to kill... I'm going to kill... The... I'm going to kill Grady, the butler. Because um, I mm. think he incited the violence even further. Um, so yeah. That's okay, That's, those are some good choices, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Matcha. Yeah, it's me. The Shining. Mm. I want you to tell me something. Okay. Fuck can't kill. Okay. So, uh, I'm gonna fuck uh, Halloran. Fair. Um, I like his uh, style. He's, he's got a nice bald head. <laughs> um, it's shiny. And I'm kind of into it. Um, yeah, he's got a lot of charisma. I don't know. Mm. I kind of I like his vibe. Yeah. You know? And... Um, He's got The Shining, so, you know, that might be helpful in... True. I don't know. Chats. Dirty talk. 
Okay. So yeah, that's my pick. Um, then Great. I'm gonna haunt. Um, I want to haunt. Oh yeah, I'm gonna haunt Stanley Kubrick. Fair. Uh, I'm gonna haunt Stanley Kubrick for what he did to Shirley Duvall. I want him to think about it now he that he's suffer. dead and he's got loads of time to think about it. Fair. Uh, as a dead boy. Mm. Um. Yeah, and I'm gonna kill. Um. I'm gonna kill. I'm gonna kill the guy in the bird costume. I'm sorry. No, and his friend. But I'm, gonna I'm fuck killing them. Sorry, guys. Yeah, no way. Uh, I'm not into this. Sorry. Uh, killing those guys, taking them out. Both of, the of film. them. Yeah, both of them. That's not loud. What do you mean? Maybe it is. I don't know. Show it to me on a piece of paper <laughs> that's signed. The by contract we signed. President. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got Michael D. Higgins to sign this thing. That's what you cannot kill two people. <laughs> I think we find the law probably says you can't kill Sorry, one Michael, person. Michael, could you sign this paper that says you can't kill two people? <laughs> and he's like, well, the law already says you can't kill anybody. And I'm like, no, you need to specifically sign it to say you can't kill two people. Please. And he signs it, then you go kill a person. It's like, I have this paper, it's just one. Yeah, no, he signs it, and I, I take in a gun, and I'm like, <laughs> bad idea. No, I wouldn't kill him, because then it doesn't matter. Never, he it, I would never. Right? Ne- no, it would. It would matter. I would have a witness. I would have a witness, and the witness would see it, and I would kill Michael Mm. D. And then they'd say, I'm going to call the police, and I'd say, but I'm not going to kill you. And I've got a piece of paper that says it's fine, because I've only killed one tonight. And I disappear into the distance with a cloak. Yeah, does it reset after like a night, or how does it work? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's the gremlins problem (laughs) all over again. It's like Purge. When is midnight? Every every year. Um, Yeah. There we go. That was uh, that was Falcon Kill about The Shining. Hope you liked it. What are we talking about next week? Next week, we're talking about host. 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 It's a quick one. It's just an hour, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's gonna be a quick uh, episode. I for a season finale, and it's the quarantine season, so we're talking about a film made on a laptop. So there you go. We're talking about a film made in quarantine. So look yeah. forward to that, bitches. Kind of exciting. Yeah. Kind of cool. Maybe I'll try to watch some Unfriended films because I've never seen that. <gasps> and that's kind of the same I thing. really like Unfriended. I really enjoy it. You have to watch it on your laptop, though. It's really important. Oh, yeah. I'll do, do you that, have your yeah. work laptop? And it's... Watch it on your work laptop. No, I have my own laptop. Watch, it, watch it on your my... work laptop. Oh, because it's a Mac? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's cool. really important. Right. Yeah. That's good. Because yeah. the film takes place on a Mac. Yeah. So it's like I found it so much more immersive because I was on a Mac when I watched it. It's great. It's so good. Yeah. I wonder if host is on a Mac. We should look into it. I'll that. check. It's on Zoom, so I I'm not sure how much of like the rest Oh yeah, maybe it doesn't matter. I'm not yeah. sure how much of the rest of the operating operating system um plays a part. <laughs> Fucking fly. Yeah. This fly's been in here the whole time and I want to kill him. Anyway. Thanks everybody for tuning in. This was this yeah. was great, as always. Great um yeah so remember to uh wash your hands uh keep a safe distance to everybody and um keep your pussy hydrated yeah yeah keep your pussy hydrated bring a mop and a bucket everything you got for this my pussy what else p word beep can you believe the society <gasps> what's going Flight. on did i get it i got it all right bye everyone yeah, i That's got the, it i'm gonna fade out on this did you kill the fly? Yeah, I killed the fly. <laughs> Great. Bye, everybody. That'll be the last thing that people hear. <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> it's just gonna, it's gonna be fade out of this. <laughs>